When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. everybody to wrestling omakase it is episode number 60 i love those big round numbers episode 60 did not wasn't really sure when i set out to do this that we'd be here 60 weeks later basically but here we are omakase is still here still giving you the hot takes of the vow podcasting network and my guest this week has been on many of these past episodes Making his, I'm going to just guess, sixth appearance, I think? Yep. Uh, it is Taylor. Hello, Taylor. Hi, how are you? Good, I'm good. We, it's, uh, I'm on my last real night here before, I guess, Chicago really starts looming. Like, I'm at home tomorrow night, but, like, my friend's coming over to stay over. It's like a whole, you know, you got to do last last minute packing. Like, this is the last real night. Yeah, for me too, because I my flight is really early on Friday uh, morning. Friday morning, it's at I think it leaves at seven a.m. Oh yeah, yours is way so, early. Where are you flying on JFK or LaGuardia? Uh, LaGuardia. Yeah, me too. Actually, <laughs> I hate LaGuardia, but that's all I can find. I have um, I have a ten thirty a.m. flight, so nowhere nowhere near as early as you. But. Oh, that's more. I don't know why I picked seven fifteen a.m. Probably because it was the cheapest flight at the moment, but. I always book these early flights and then I have to get up early for them. And I think, why did I do that? You know, <laughs> I, five, five months ago or whenever I booked my flights, I guess I wasn't thinking. I usually do it too. This time I just didn't. So I don't know. 
But you'll be you'll have the last laugh when like my flight is still delayed. I don't get to go to you know your flight's on time, mine is delayed. I don't get to go to round one like I want to. Very upsetting. But and then I'm going to eight. You're going to AW too, right? I am. I'll be there. Yeah, it'll be cool. I think I have like second row balcony or something. So if you want to come stalk me, <laughs> you, you know I will movement. be in the front row. So oh wow, awesome, very visible. Uh, I'm gonna be, I think, second row back of the AW, but I have third row to this fucking whatever the fuck this show is on Saturday night. It's hilarious because, like, I guarantee you, like, there are so many people who want to go to this show more than I do, and I'm in the third row for some reason. Yeah, I don't know how you got those tickets because I remember buying that day, and it was nearly impossible. Yeah, to I find mean, tickets. I think I ended up with like the last ticket in the lower level, but I'm all the way off to the side in like the 15th row or something. Trust me, I would much rather have ringside to the MSG show. If anyone's listening wants to trade, if you really want, if you have ringside to MSG next year, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and you want to, and you have some other tickets for all in, you can trade or, you know, tweet at me or something. But I really like I have I have like hundred level tickets for MSJ. Not not great, not awful. It's because it's like in the corner kind of. I'm just hoping they're good, basically. But um, you know, they're, I, I doubt they're going to be terrible. But you know, I would I would I would have much rather have better. But all in, I have fucking great seats. So <laughs> it's so stupid. What are you going to do? Um, but yeah, I'm sure there's lots of people listening. Like. You're a fucking asshole. <laughs> Complaining. <laughs> He's third row to all in. And it's like, look, all right, I'm we'll get to the all in preview. We are gonna preview all in. I'm so excited for this show that last week, um, wrapping up the podcast when I'm like, we're gonna preview destruction. I totally forgot that this would be the last show before all in, and we should preview that too. So there you go. But the main thing we're here to start with is actually DDT. Um, specifically so DDT had a weekend with two King of DDT shows um, on Saturday and Sunday, and then August 25th and 26th, and then also Tokyo Joshi Pro's Korokin show, which was uh, part of a doubleheader on the 25th. Um, so these three shows I definitely wanted to talk about because I, I enjoyed all of them quite a bit uh, to varying degrees. And DDT, I, I don't know. They, would you would you say they've had an up and down year? Is is uh is accurate. I would say um, accurate. I think that they've been pretty good outside of the main event. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Which obviously the main event is probably what people pay the most attention to. I mean, and rightfully so, as it's the main event. But I think their undercard stuff has been, you know, the funny stuff has been funny. Um, they've done a great job in and I think I, I think I talk about this every time I'm on the show to talk about DDT. They've done a great job in elevating some of their younger guys, yeah, um, from kind of the very bottom of the card up to the middle, and um, you know near the top with stuff like Manji Manji. Yeah. Which, um, yeah. I want to I want to throw throw out. Speaking of Manji Manji, I want to throw a hypothesis at you. Is it fair to say? Some of the Corrigans have been a little more underwhelming this year because so many matches have to go to Maji Manji. Because I think, I think to me, it's self-evident. But I want to hear your opinion. 
Well, yeah, I would agree. I think that those weekly shows are, I think, almost on the whole, I'm trying to, I mean, I don't remember every Corican that's happened this year. I would have to go back and look at the cards. Yeah, there were a couple that were real clungers to me, which is pretty rare for DDT, and and the rest have been, like, more middling than, like, than last year in 2016. Right, so but I can think of a couple Manji Manjis off the top of my head that I know were better than some Korokins yeah. already yeah. without really deep diving into it. So yeah. I think that's really been the strong point and the part that it's, you know, it's very easy to follow. I mean, it's once a week and it's like two and a half hours. So sometimes, you know, like I'm behind right now on it. I haven't watched last night's or the week before. Um, but it was that week before. So, or, or I'm behind on two of them or, or whatever <laughs> it is. Um, but I think they're very kind of fun stories. I love the idea, as I've mentioned before, of the guest commentators bringing people in. I think that there's kind of a different energy that lends itself to even when the matches are not necessarily top, you know, top shelf. And I'm not saying that they're bad on the show, but I think it's just an energy of kind of you know, this DDT energy of, oh, we're all here. We're having fun. Here's all the different kind of matches we do. We're on Corican. I often go into the Corkins thinking to myself, okay, the matches, you know, at least the top few matches should be really, really good. Um, because it's a Corican show. It's, you know, their big show that they do every, you know, X amount of time. Yeah, uh, like they did two this weekend. Yeah. So I just think it's a different, ex- it's also a different expectation yeah, that's fair. Um, thing, I don't know if that's just for me or for everyone. No, I think it's uh, fair. Um, but I thought these, I thought these Corrigans were, you know, good. Certainly better than last month's. Yeah, last month was, um, the, was like one of the, the one of the worst I can recall. So, like this one, these two are both. I, I thought the first one was really good, um, and we'll get into like the the top end matches were so good. Uh, in my opinion, and then the second one, not quite to that level, but still fun. So um, it'll be interesting to hear your thoughts too. But yeah, so but yeah, that, that's basically my thesis: is maybe the Maji Manji is drawing away some of the ma- some of the bigger matches. But I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. And I like I like Maji Manji a lot. I think it's a cool setup. It's just especially since nobody else does it, you know. Well, and I don't know that it's drawing away matches that would happen on Corkins, but I think they're doing they're doing different they're stuff. They're kind of doing out of the box stuff that probably wouldn't be on Corkins, but because it's out of the box and it's interesting, and they're bringing people. You know, they had Takeda in that Falls Count Anywhere match, which I thought was an awesome match. Yeah, um, you're talking about the four way, right? Yeah, the four way. Yeah. Um, like I don't know if that's something they would have put on a Corican without, you know, if they didn't have the show, if they would have put it on the Corican or not. Yeah. So I just think it's kind of, you know, they had the, um, um, six man, six person, um, tag, um, match with the Sendai girls team that main evented the one show. I don't know if that would go on a Corican and if it would, I don't know that it would be the main event. Yeah. So I just think the matches that they put on there, um, I I don't know that the Corkins are suffering because they're putting the matches that would go on these Corkin shows on those other shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I said before, 
I think one reason is, and maybe these most recent shows, as we'll talk about, prove that point out. Those Manji Manji shows have had almost, I mean, not none, but very little of the title, you know, the KOD title stuff on those shows. It's been mainly focusing on tag, you know, the tag titles, the six person titles, you know, even non-title matches. Right. And we talk about last month's Corican, which was not great, which was highlighted by the title match. And this one, which I agree with you, was really good, didn't have that. Yeah, it was King of D too. So. And so, you know, the question is, you know, is that really affecting the whole, you know, is the kind of weirdness going on with that affecting the whole card when it's on there, which could be the case. Yeah, I mean, they, I think there would be a little more tag title and six-man tag title stuff on these shows, but in a way, it's like probably the spot shows are losing out, too, because I feel like those used to main event more than they have since Maju Manju started. Um, but yeah, so let's get into the first show here, which was the King of DDT third round, August 25th at Corkham. Only drew 718 fans, which is a little surprising to me, but people like people decide the other two shows were the big ones, apparently. Because uh, they both had bigger attendances, which maybe a little surprised some people with Tokyo Joshi Pro, but the way that that brand has been built up so well this year, I really wasn't that surprised. Um, and it was probably the biggest main event they could do. So, uh, but we'll get into that when we get to that show. In the meantime, here, the third round of King of DDT show opened up with Shinshiro Takage, Koke Iwasaki, Daiki Shimamura, and Reka defeating Toruwashi, Yuki Oreno. Akito and Yuki Ino when Iwazaki pinned Ino with the vertical drop brainbuster in 655. Um, I still can't believe Iwazaki's going to Gambare. It's so fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> and he gets the pin here to send him off to Gambare Pro. It's just really weird. I mean, that has to be the biggest talent acquisition for Gambare like ever. <laughs> I can't think of anybody. <laughs> I can't think of anybody even comparable. Who the fuck ever goes to Gambare? But, but yeah, um, you know, Owashi was like, he was really going full steam. I noticed with this disaster box reboot because he's doing his like old apron pose that goes all the way back to um, his Toriumon days, you know? I don't know if you noticed that, but that was pretty cool. Yeah. I, I thought he was really good in King of DDT this year. So I'm pretty behind a, a serious Owashi revival. I think it could be cool. I mean, I like the I like the group. I think it's a good, you know, in terms of who's in it. I mean, I think it's a pretty strong group to have. Yeah, and you got two comedy guys basically who who are gonna go serious now, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, this is like a fun little opener. Not really a lot to it, but it was cool while it lasted. I don't know if you have any big thoughts on it. Yeah, I don't really have any. I don't have. Any thoughts? Um, I'm intrigued by Eno, who I've... I don't know if I... I don't know what happened, but I feel like he started last year at Peter Pan, didn't he? Did he debut on that show or around that time? Yeah, something like that. Like, at, at least they started, like... Um, they started putting him out. I don't know right. if he actually debuted then. I think he might debut later. Because then I feel like he disappeared for a while. Yes, he did. He got so, injured. And then... You know, he's back, and I think he's got a good look. I don't know if they see 
Like, do you think they see anything in him? What is the, I mean, he got pinned here. He's obviously. I think they see comedy guy in him, which is he has a, a, he has a really funny kind of look and his facials are pretty funny. So I think they see him as like a big goofball. Okay. That's, that's my read on it though. And it could just be that he's, you know, so new, maybe a bit later on he'll branch out. But that right now that seems to me like the, the spot he's in. I just feel like he was here, he went away because he was injured, and now he's back, and I don't really know where he... I don't know where he goes. Well, isn't he Isn't he joining... Well, he's in All Out. Yeah, he's joining All Out. Um, so I guess maybe we'll see coming up. I mean, he's. Uh, I still can't believe that What's-His-Name is in All Out. Uh, um, Yoshimura. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah. It's a, that was a re- really big... If people don't know, Naomi Yoshimura... Is joining all out, which he wasn't really on any of these shows, but like, yeah, he's that's pretty big. But um, okay, so let's see. Match number. There was a cool little moment I thought at the end with like Takagi, like huddling up with the three X DNA guys to like send them off, kind of since DNA has ended. Yeah, so that that was kind of cool. Um, then we got the Renegades versus Damnation Six Man. Um, so we had Watase, Jason, the Gift King, Cade, and Ryan Davidson defeating. Soma Takao, Mad Polly, and the newest member of Damnation, Nobuhiro Shimitani. Uh, Davidson, of course, pinned Shimitani at the Davidson driver in 958. Um, any idea who Ryan Davidson is? I had no clue. No, and I wrote in my notes, I was like, who are these? I, I feel like every DDT show I watch, they've brought in a new uh, Western guy who I'm like, who is this person? And then they <laughs> go away the very, like, Alex Ace... <laughs> was here for about five seconds. There was some yeah. other guy who had an A name. Um, <laughs> so I was like, oh, this guy I've never heard of. Ryan, Dave. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. I mean, I, mean, I don't I, watch American Indie, so I never, I can never tell if it's just like, sh- if I was an American Indie guy, would I know who this is? But it seems like this guy's pretty deep down. Let's see. Where does he wrestle? I'm Texas looking guy. at his, He. it looks like he's a, a Texas, Oklahoma. I'm seeing a lot of Oklahoma. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I have no idea. So. Um, yeah, but I hadn't. I had never heard of him. Shima. So Shimatani. I really enjoy the the gimmick that he comes out with. The he's so proud to be in Damnation, even as like a junior slash like member on pro on probation. That he has a shirt that says Damnation, and he has a little sign that says Damnation. It's really funny. He like waves it around when he comes out, or. You know what he's not in the match, but in this match, I noted like his whole gimmick of like tiny dude who thinks he's actually a huge badass. Like he's basically like Crash Holly. It, it seems like it's actually gotten worse since he's joined Damnation. <laughs> so it's pretty funny. Um, and at one point, I noted that that Jason Kincaid was working this like he's like at a gymnastics meet or something with all his like flipping and rolling, but the crowd like got really into it. So. I was like, well, I hate this, but the crowd likes it, so good for him, I guess. Um, I really didn't expect the Renegades to be the babyface in this match, but they, they pretty clearly were. And, but yeah, it was, uh, there was a, and I, I didn't really even notice what a big boy Ryan Davidson was until he got in there with Matt Bawley. They had a they had a really cool showdown. That was probably the highlight. And then I no Hero managed to actually knock over the the giant-ass American with a flying shoulder block. That was really cool. So, um, but yeah. And then his reward after knocking over Ryan Davidson was Soma and Mad Polly both using him as an involuntary footstool to flip off of, like right after. 
And then Paulie like body slammed him onto Davidson. So, but yeah, Davidson recovered and hit like some fisherman's buster kind of thing, and that got the pin. Um, oh, of course, the Davidson driver apparently. This is like I thought this really picked up after a super boring like first few minutes, but to me it was also another example of uh, they really can't pick a side with the damn Renegades because like they were baby faces here. Like there was it wasn't like he. I was like, oh, it's gonna be heel versus heel. They worked as matches the baby faces. So, um. I had a lot of thoughts on the match that really all none of have to do with the quality of the match, which I thought like you, I think was mostly fine. Um, if not forgettable, I I'm going to ask you a question because it was something I was thinking of on this show. And then the following show. Okay. What do you think about Takao being like the leader of the damnation B team? Uh, I, I think it's cool. Why you don't like it? Because to me, it feels a little bit like I think he's really good, and I think it's a little below where I think he should be. Hmm. Not that I think he should replace. You know, not that I'm saying you know, um, Endo should be the leader of the B team or something like that. I just think he's on the level more of a Endo or being with those guys now i it's a three and three but i just feel like being in these kind of b matches is sort of a waste now it's only you know this was only one weekend it was two shows so i don't know if he'll maybe do other things i just feel like he's better than Mm. that yeah and i worry about him getting stuck in just doing six mans with with Paulie and Shimatani and totally getting lost. See, I um, thought I thought it was because he's just wasn't in King of DT and you know the other two guys were, but I don't know. And I I, I don't want to read a lot into it. Maybe see where he is le- leading into Peter Pan. But yeah, I would agree with you that he probably is a little bit higher than this. But you know, da- like Daisuke Sasaki, like Soma was kind of a focus for a while, like right after he turned, and it almost felt like Sasaki took a back seat for a while. So it feels to me like they're just rotating. Yeah, where, that could like, be. Where Sasaki is now, you know. I mean, the other thing, what we were talking before about DDT versus this year versus previous years, like the big thing missing to me versus last year was like, you know, Sasaki almost seemed like he took the first half of the year off, kind of, which maybe is understandable. I think he was probably pretty beat up after that that crazy extreme title reign he had. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. Like maybe I think it was like Sasaki kind of went to the background. And, you know, that was probably a big thing missing from DC this year for me is that extreme title reign he had. He went to the background and Soma got to shine for a while with the the turn and the Harashima feud. But now I think he's probably, like, going to cycle down a little bit here and let Sasaki, like, take back the spotlight, which, you know, I don't really mind. But I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, if it rotates, then that's... I just worry about it's like, okay, you had your moment of you joined the group and you were the focus, and now that moment's done, and now you're in this area. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, the other... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just going to say, if there's, like, some kind of split or something, then it could be, like, where does he... Like, where does Soma fit in could be a big thing. Because, like, you know, it's obvious to me where some people fit in, but I don't know where necessarily where someone would fit in so um my other thought was and you mentioned Kincaid doing gymnastics and I've talked on this show before that I am not a fan um 
But I thought during the match, and tell me if you agree with this um, comparison. Jason Kincaid is like if you put the brain of Teddy Hart in the body of Zack Sabre Jr. <laughs> that is kind of funny, actually. Because yeah. he does all these weird like flips where you're like, what are you doing? Stop doing that. Why are you doing all these things? And he's kind of that small, you know, wiry looking guy. Now, obviously, Sabre's bulked up a little bit. Yeah. Um, but that's just what I thought because it's like a weird – it's just a strange thing. And I think that his kind of peak, if you were like, okay, if he got – if he became good and improved and got better, I think he's like a Mike Bailey type of guy. Yeah. But the the difference between Mike Bailey and him is so wide to me <laughs> um, that a lot of things would have to turn – I mean, the outfit is not good. The outfit, he wears that like bib or whatever he wears on his shoulders. Yeah. It really bugs the shit out of me. <laughs> I will say, you know what? I'll be fair to Jason the Gift Kincaid. He's grown on me a little bit. He's, I hated him when he first showed up. Now he's like a guy who's bad that amuses me. <laughs> like, I don't actively want him to go away. Now it's like, He's almost charmingly. There is such a thing as charmingly bad. Like to me, he has crossed the line. Me now to where he's charmingly bad. If he stays around forever, I really don't care. But I agree. The bit, the bit looks really stupid. But it, it fits his whole. His aesthetic is fucking stupid. He's yeah, a skinny it's... white guy doing fucking gymnastics rolls and shit. It's pretty. It's pretty dumb. But I don't know. It works for him somehow. Yeah. Um. And I like David. I thought David said was fairly good. I mean, I really expected zero. So he exceeded my expectations of he could move around the ring and do moves. Yeah. Which I guess he reminded me of like going to a local show in New York and seeing people who are like figuring out just the basics of wrestling. But it seemed like he had it. I mean, he had that interesting, you know, as you said, that exchange with Pauly, which I thought was fun. And so he was not bad. And then Watase, I think he feels to me like if you're going to make this a proper thing with Irie, like leading a stable of people, he should be like maybe fourth or fifth or third, maybe. Yeah, and not sick. like the second in command. Yeah, it's, it's a little too soon for him. Like he's like a Chase Owens in the Bullet Club, where I don't think you would ever, I mean, like imagine two years ago, if you were like, "Oh, Chase Owens, he's going to be the second in command of the Bullet Club." Yeah, I think now you could maybe get away with it because he's, you know, gotten a lot better and people really like him. But like two years ago, when he debuted, if someone was like, "Yeah, he'll be the second in command," you'd be like, "No, I don't, I don't buy." Yeah. So those uh, are my thoughts. Okay. But all right, so match number three, Don Shokudino. Makoto Oishi and Super Sasdango Machine defeating Kudo, Masahiro Takanachi, and Gorgeous Matsuno. Dino submitted Matsuno at the Mako Killer 3 <laughs> in 743. I guess he was preparing for Satomura, which didn't go well for him. Um, spoiler alert, I guess. <laughs> but um, but yeah, here's, here's the thing about this. First of all, Makoto and Sasdango need to do a better job checking for hidden cameras before blabbing. I feel like that's a running thing with them. 
So they basically like they gave away that Dino had a, a shoulder injury. He's just trying to make it to the to the sumo hall. Um, but yeah, it was mostly just a match. Dino kind of countered at the last second into the quote unquote Mako killer, and yeah, not a lot, not really a lot to it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I enjoyed it. I really like Gorgeous Matsuno. For whatever reason, I really like during the match where he did his like springboard um, move and then just went into the armbar. Yes, that was pretty um, awesome. Which I thought was really funny. I just think he's funny, and you know, he doesn't. He is really funny. He he doesn't. I mean, maybe he's starting to wrestle again now more. He doesn't wrestle a ton. Like he's not on every card. He's not on every show. So I always like that he pops in, and you know. He was in King of DDT and he did, he sang on one of the beer garden shows. He opened up by singing for like 25 minutes, (laughs) which I turned on and I was like, oh, he's going to sing for like one song. And then I looked down and it was like, so I started doing other things and I looked down and it was like 15 minutes. I was like, oh, he's still singing. Okay. (laughs) Just wandering around, talking to people, singing. I was like, all right. Um, all right, so then match number four, getting out of the out of the uh, I don't know the not very great part half of this card. Oh, there was some funny stuff, but Shigehiro Iri. It was weird. Like on the two DT shows, this show was not that funny. The other show was a lot funnier, but the actual match party in this show was a lot better. If you combine these two shows together, you know you would have had like an amazing DDT show. Yeah, but yeah. Um, so for number four, the special tag match. Uh, Shigehiro Irie and Tayo Kea defeated Katsusada Higuchi and Antonio Honda when Irie pinned Honda with the Beast Bomber in 1247. Boy, is Irie looking like the world's biggest dipshit <laughs> after all this shit. Yeah. Goes to Amer- Dino tells him, don't go to America. You're gonna lo- you might lose the title. He says, fuck you, I'm going to America anyway. He loses the title to Sammy Callahan. He wins it back only to lose it to Dino almost pretty much immediately after he gets back. So, uh, yeah, he, he does not look like a smart man in all of this. Looks like a dumbass. Which... I just don't know what the end, like, what is the, like, oh, the storyline ends with XYZ, like, what happens? XYZ happening, what is XYZ? Yeah, it is really weird. I mean, the eerie thing has been the, the weirdest thing this entire year and what's really dragged down the company. And, you know, I mean, the only title defensive is I really enjoyed was the Higuchi one. So, I don't know. It's just, it's been very, I'm hoping it's over, but, you know, there's a, there's a three-way title match coming up. He could easily win it back. I don't, I don't think he will, but he could. And, you know, I mean, maybe he'll win it back and lose it to whoever gets the, <laughs> the last, uh, what's it called? The last Gauntlet? anytime anywhere at Gauntlet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, who the fuck knows, I guess. But yeah, so this was all right. Um. I mean, it just kind of dragged, I think. But I, it, a lot of it could have been like, you know, I just really want to get the King of DT stuff already. But yeah, it was all right. Uh, Tayoke looked Tayoke looked in good shape for a guy's age. But I don't really have a lot of strong thoughts on this. Yeah, I don't have a lot. I don't. The only thing I remember was the um, Gongetsu story. That, yeah. That's the only part of the match I remember is him doing it. Um, yeah, and like the Tayo fell for it. Yeah, because Gongetsu is too powerful. 
Uh, yeah, so I think me, it was in that weird spot of it's right before those quarter the quarterfinal matches. Yeah. So it really was a tough, you know, it's just like, okay, move on to the, you know. Yeah, 13 minutes was too long for this. Like, I wanted to get to the, I wanted to get to the KD Chief stuff, so. Um, but then after that, we had the general election announcements. Um, so apparently we can, somehow we can all vote. If you have a DDT Universe subscription, you're listening to this, you're going to be able to vote, apparently. And I like think even the, the even the fr- if you oh, sign yeah. up for the free version, I think you still get one vote. And I think people who pay get like maybe two or three votes or something like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's uh, pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So um, obviously, so you 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 voted last year too, right? I did vote were, last year because they opened it up early at Peter Pan. Usually, you would vote by buying merch, and they opened it up early at Peter Pan last year, which Taylor and I both happened to be at. So. You know, we both got to vote. Who'd you vote for? Do you remember? I voted for Yoshihiko, who came in like seventeenth, <laughs> and I was really disappointed. Um, and I voted for uh, NWA. I voted for Tetsuya Endo and Damnation. So there you go. Um, I might have actually had multiple. I might have voted also for Sasaki, but I definitely voted for Damnation for units. So, um, but yeah, if you're not aware of the general election, it's basically. Uh, a pretty simple concept. They rip this off from idol groups in Japan, where they hold these elections every year. And, you know, the, you, you get to vote from pretty much the entire DT roster. There's a few people missing. Um, most notably, probably Irie is not on the on the, the ballot, which is interesting. It would imply maybe he wouldn't be a Peter Pan or something. Who knows? But, um, but yeah, so Irie is not on the ballot. Uh, Mike Bailey is not on the ballot because he's not going to be there for the entire time. But he will. He his t- his tag team with Mao is on the ballot for the best unit. But yeah, what, what was their new name again? It was like Moonlight Express, I think. Right? Oh, I mi- I yeah, I don't know. I missed that. I think it's Moonlight Express. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong on that. But yeah, so they there's a unit ballot and a um, a person ballot. So whoever wins the general election gets a shot at the KOD title. Whoever wins the unit election gets to host their own um you know produce Corican, which you know that's why we had that damnation produce show where all the guys came out in each other's attire which was awesome i'll never forget kenoka coming out as harashima that was, was so <laughs> great but yeah so those are the two big elections and apparently usually it's you would have to buy merch to vote but and like be in japan but it sounds like it's going to be an online component this year and you anyone who has a ddt universe uh, who registers a DD universe, even if you don't have a paid subscription, you'll be able to vote. So that's pretty cool. Pretty cool little addition. Um, but yeah, we got a new unit called Compliance <laughs> as the end of the unit election. Uh, Don Shokudino founded it because he said, he basically said all the units are heels. So he wants to found, found a new unit of baby faces who are going to help him maintain order. Which I'm like, I don't know if that's really a baby face thing. <laughs> but from his perspective, I guess it is. It's like himself, uh, all his usual allies, like Makoto and Sasadago, and then also Higuchi's in it. So I think that's it. Let me bring, let me bring up the ballot. It's on the DDT English. I should have done this before, but I totally forgot. Yeah, because I yeah. know when he first announced it, he's like, it's me, and I won't tell you any of the members. Yeah, he announced it. I, I, he announced the members on the on Maji Manji, oh, which okay. we're not technically co- covering since I didn't watch it either. Um, but yeah, let's see. I'm going to bring it up here in a second. If you give me a sec. I'll like, okay, 
So the action, the full list of units here. We have Damnation, um, who is you know I, I think I already know she's in Damnation. All Out. Although interestingly, All Out does not list um, Yoshimura as a member. I thought that I thought that was confirmed, but I guess it's not. Uh, Shuten Doji, who's at this point just Kudo, Sakaguchi, and uh, Masahiro Takanashi. Disaster Box, Hiroshima, Owashi, and Ueno. Um, so for people who don't know, Kazuki Hirata has like an entry match in the Disaster Box. It's coming up on Manji Manji, I believe, next week. So that'll happen at some point. Um, J- J1 Compliance. Is that now apparently the, the name? Oh, I forgot <laughs> Honda. He's another guy who has a lot of history with Dino. But yeah, so everyone I just mentioned, plus Antonio Honda. Booing 2018. So not, uh, not, not picking, but this time's booing, which is um, <laughs> Matsunaga and Michael Nakazawa. And they claim they have some kind of third member. We don't know who it is yet. And then Moonlight Express, Mike Bailey, and Mao. Now, I haven't seen any mention of the losing unit having to split up, which has always been the, the case in the past. But I assume that might still be the rule, especially if they, they created booing to lose. <laughs> so I don't, because that's always been the joke, is in the past years, you know, the, the team that loses is always, uh, you know, picking, and they just form picking every year. And this year, it's no more picking, it's booing, because Go to Ahashi is not taking part. So. Uh, but yeah, so then, the, then the, the wrestlers eligible, a lot of the guys you'd expect, but then pretty much the entire DET roster, but then uh, Maki Ito basically inserted herself in Tokyo Joshi, and uh, Yumihito Imanari, who's a, he's a Gambari wrestler and then also does like, well, he does like the videos, right, for, for DET? Yeah, he's like the um, video producer or something. So, yeah, I think so he like, was on that, because that, they did that video producer yes. show. Um, a couple of months back, and I think he was on that. So he basically inserted a video of himself onto the show, like abused his power to uh, to get himself onto the show, onto the ballot. Now, now Takagi or whoever pointed out immediately, like you know, tickets for because tickets for DET get you votes. Tickets for uh, Tokyo Joshi and Gambari do not get you votes. So that is a disadvantage for Maki Ito and uh, Imanari. Yeah, Michael Nakazawa is on here. Um, Jun Kasai, who just was announced as now being full-time DDT. So yeah, pretty much all the guys you'd expect otherwise. A, a few people missing, like we said. Uh, Irie is not here. Mike Bailey's not here. But yeah, I have no, I, I don't know who's winning this. It's usually, Dino usually does really well, but I don't think he's going to win this year just because he's he's been producer and he's already been champion. It seems weird to like, that the fans would just give him another title shot. They usually pick somebody who hasn't gotten a title shot lately. So, I don't know. I don't have a good feel for it. Maybe, maybe somebody like, I mean, it, I, it, it really could be Maki Ito. I think. I think that really. I mean, she's a really big deal right now, and they pushed her hard here. I think it could be Maki Ito. I mean, it could be, and she also did very well um, in that initial Manji Manji tournament um, that they had. I think she got to the. I don't know what round it would be. Or yeah, what it would be like, called, the quarterfinals or the semifinal. I don't remember what part it was, but she did well and she tied. Yeah. Uh, it went to a draw, I should say. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I certainly, if we have votes, I certainly would consider her. Yeah, I think I think Maki Ita has a really good chance, but we'll say. Yeah, there's our DDT general election breakdown. Uh, then we get into the the king of DDT quarterfinals, the meat of the card here. 
it opens up with Mal defeating Mike Bailey with the Cannonball 450 in 11:33. What do you think of this one? I really love this match. I saw on Twitter mm-hmm. that you liked it less than me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just liked it. I I saw you said that you thought it was sloppy, and not to like give your opinion while I'm giving my opinion. Um, <laughs> but I kind of liked that it was like kind of wild and sloppy. You know, they talked about in that video where Mike Bailey talked about, he talked about that they were the two craziest uh, wrestlers in DDT and the, the winner would be the person who was the craziest. So I think yeah. the sloppiness was part of that for me was kind of them being like, Oh, we, you know, we're crazy and we're going to do these crazy um, things in this match. And, and they did. And I enjoyed it. I think, and I don't know if you would agree if the observer crowd watch DDT, I think Mike Bailey is a very strong candidate for most improved. Yes. I wouldn't really disagree with that. Um, I think he has no chance because you nobody know, watches DDT. nobody watches DDT. <laughs> Which is also proven by the fact that there was controversy about a 12-year-old wrestling this week. Yeah, I know. <laughs> when it's been happening in DDT for the past, like, six months. No, six months? Like, two years? Well, two years, but, oh. you know. Yeah. He's, he's off and on. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah off and on. Um, I mean, so I will I'm say like, that. Well, I'm that like, well, no one watches me. DDT, so. That kid does not take that many choke slams, so I will say. That's true. Not shaking choke slams. That is very true. Um, um, but I like to imagine... That's what fly fuck about that whole debate. But. Yeah. Um, I just found it funny because I was like, yeah. Ooh, don't watch GDT. Um, but I like the match. One of my favorite parts was um, Bailey went to do that. I don't even know what he calls it, but uh, like corner to corner spinning uh, like kick where he, yeah. you know, he spins around and Mao started spinning the other way. And I think the goal was for Mao to kick him, but it didn't work. And they just kind of ran into each other, <laughs> mm. which I kind of enjoy. I was like, it didn't work, but in a way it was better than if it had worked for me. Cause it was just like, Oh, you're going to do this. Well, I'm going to do it too. And you know, it just happened. They run into each other and you know, Mao comes out better, but I really liked the match. I thought it was really good. And I really like Mao and Mike Bailey. So maybe I'm, yeah, yeah. I, I, really like, it. I really like them both too. So it was a surprise I didn't quite like it on that level. But I mean, I gave it three and a half. I still thought it was good. I just thought it was the worst of these four quarterfinals pretty easily. Um, but yeah, I mean, not, not real, not any real problem. You you actually kind of gave my opinion for me, where I just was like, I thought it was a little bit floppy. Um, I had higher expectations probably, which was the same thing on the on the final show. But yeah, I mean, it was a. Uh, they had it just too sloppy, just never grabbed me on that higher level. But you know, three and a half star match is still a good match. You know, still, still, you know, almost a very good match. But uh, it's just not quite in the level of the rest of these matches. So the second quarterfinal, Tetsuya Endo defeating Kazuki Hirata with the swivel torture rack bomb in twelve twenty two. This I thought was awesome. Um, so what you know, what really grabs me as as a wrestling fan besides the fact that I'm you know, it, it helps a lot if I'm already, you know, into the two guys in the match, which I was here. But, like, I like matches that, like, you know, quote-unquote, tell a story, which has been very, 
that term that term of like storytelling i feel like has been mm. very abused lately because there's some people who think the only way you can do that is to have like a 35 minute match with like you know callbacks and a guy running me first into the stage all sort of bullshit but what I mean, like a simple story in their match. Like, basically, I thought they were trying to get across it. Endo doesn't take Hirata seriously. And Endo did such a great job, like, with his mannerisms and, like, his general behavior, which I thought was even beyond his usual, like, I don't give a shit type demeanor of, like, basically saying, you know, this guy is below me. And the pre-match video, he basically said something like, he, I know he's, like, my senpai technically. You know, he's, my, he's been around doing this longer. But, you know, I don't have any respect for him. He's a comedy joke. So I really thought that was a that was a cool, you know, story. And I thought Hirata was great as like the feisty underdog, um, standing up to the bully Endo. Um, you know, there was like a really cool exchange where Endo kept trying to like backdrop his way out of a headlock. Hirata kept like holding on, like he just would not let go. And Endo finally went like to a backpack to break it up, but Hirata like rolled him up out of it, which was like a really cool near fall. And just towards the end, I thought there was some really cool, like, 2.9 counts that, you know, I was in sport for this, and they really had me a couple times, thinking that Hirata's going to pull it out. But I thought Endo just kind of winning in the end was, like, the, the perfect ending of the story they told. Uh, but, yeah, I went forward a quarter on this. I thought that was this was awesome. Um, you know, not not my favorite match of the night, because it was a it was a great fucking show. But really awesome match, a lot better than I was expecting. So I liked it as well. I had one issue, and I don't know if you'll disagree with me or not. I felt that near the end of the match, um, Hirata had a roll-up off something, and Endo was trying to do something, and he got a roll-up that was one of those 2.9s, and the crowd totally bought it, and they went nuts, and then Endo kicked out. And I, it was very close to the end of the match. Like maybe there was a minute or two minutes or you know a minute and a half, something like that left. I felt like from that point on, once he kicked out, I feel like the crowd a little bit felt like like that was the moment if Harada was going to win, he was going to win in that moment, and it didn't happen. And I think the crowd went, oh, he's not winning. Oh, yeah, it's possible. And it felt like the next, there was like two more close pins, and I feel like the crowd kind of underreacted for me. Like it was like, wow, that was another close pin, and people are really not reacting the same way. Yeah, I, no, that's that's fair. Um, so that would be, I mean, it's not really the fault of the wrestlers, and it's not like they went another, you know, fifteen minutes or ten minutes or something. Yeah, it was just minute. a, it was just another minute or two. Yeah. But that for me hurt the match a little because it just felt like, you know, the crowd was like, well, he can't, you know, he's not going to win. Yeah. I, I no, it's fair. I just thought, to me, I I, I thought that both the performances were good enough that I want, didn't want to ding them too hard for the crowd. Like I, you know, crowd heat is a big part of maybe how you rate a match, but I don't think it's, it should be like the only thing, you know. Yeah. So I mean, I I think it was still well structured. I just even if what you're saying is true, and I just kind of um, didn't really buy that as a anything else as a finish. I don't know if I really blame them in the in the match structure they were doing. I thought it was all pretty logical. So, but yeah, I thought this was awesome. And I was, you know, like I said, I love both guys. So very possible I'm biased here, but I thought it was really good. Uh, the semifinal match, Hiroshima against Yukio Sakaguchi. Hiroshima won in 1459 with the Samato. 
this is another really good match. Um, I thought Yukio tried like a rush strategy, which was pretty cool. And then we like slowed down to like some really cool like uh, ground grappling type stuff. So if you how much you like this match will depend on how much you like that kind of ground grappling because that was like the a good a good chunk of it at the start. Um, I love that stuff, and I was so into it here that I almost thought they could have stuck with it for the whole match, like um, in that Kushida versus Show best of Super Junior match. I thought was awesome this year, uh, but they did move on to like more quote unquote normal pro wrestling stuff, and then we got like some really good striking, really hard kicks and knee strikes, and you know by the end I just I really enjoyed this and I gave it you know four stars flat. So another really good match. Yeah, I liked it too. Um, I don't have much to add. I would have liked to see, I mean, it's kind of a mood point because of how the tournament ended up. I would have liked to see Sakaguchi beat Hiroshima. Yeah. Um, just because I think he, I mean, he was good in this match. He's obviously very good. Um, and I just think that would have been an, an interesting, um, you know, obviously Hiroshima is great. And not saying that, you know, he was a bad choice to go through, but I think it would have been interesting to see Sakaguchi, you know, in the, in the final group of matches. Um, but I think I'm mainly with you. I enjoy, I, you know, I enjoyed it. And then the main event, Daisuke Sasaki defeating Keisuke Ichii with the crossover face lock in 2249. Again, this was fucking awesome. Uh, to me, clearly match of the night. And there's something about Ichii and Cork in main events. Like he always just goes out there to fucking kill himself. It's like the same thing with the the Takashita title match last year. Like he just goes out there and like just says, "Hey, just ram me neck first and do as many things as possible." And it's like that's his like whole play. I mean, um, the entire match was just was Ishii getting his neck tortured. You know, there's that neck breaker by Sasaki over the outside part of the turnbuckle that looked really nasty. There's like a Russian leg sweep over the chairs. Um, then Sasaki did take like a. Zaki took some big bunk too. He took that inverted DT on the apron. There was a superplex to the floor where they both looked like they were going to die. Um, and I just saw Ishii selling was that he was being murdered was just like, tr- you know, tremendous. Um, and then he like he he the, the recovery in the slap play. I I took a little bit points off of that because I've complained about that before, but I thought it was a little more natural than in some of the other matches I complained about, like it wasn't as egregious. It felt like it, you know, gradually went back up, not just like, I'm fine now, let's strike. But, um, you know, there was like a really crazy kick combo after the slap fight. Um, and then Ishii hit this like really brutal looking combo of double arm DDTs. And Sasaki just kind of had to like, he couldn't even, he just had to roll out to the floor in desperation. So that was the only reason why Ishii didn't get the pin. But yeah, I mean, this is like, I don't know. I went four and a half on this. Um, you know, I, I love the fact that actually the the story of the match with Sasaki working over his neck actually played into the fucking finish and he tapped out, which after a G1 of guys getting like beaten on a body part and then that body part having nothing to do with the finish of the match, it was like, you know, finding the oasis in the desert here. But yeah, I mean, like this was just fucking awesome. Um, you know, Ishii, like just, you know, obviously there's a, a far more famous wrestler with that name in New Japan who's well known for killing himself, but Keisuke deserves some credit for like dying for us every time he's in a big match too, because he, he really fucking turns it on when he's in these matches. And this was Saki's best match probably the whole year so far, um, at least since the, the DO. Um, he might have had something better, the DO, like that Ishikawa match or something at the start of the year. 
but yeah, he's been very quiet. And this one, this is like him just reminding everybody like how how fucking good he could be. So, yeah. Yeah, I pretty much agree with you. I mean, Ishii has been good. I mean, for, for a long, I thought I thought he's been good for years. Yeah, but he doesn't get these opportunities. But when he does, he really goes crazy. Uh, one thing I, um, you know, that I took note of was there was that move where he was draped over the ropes, and um, Sasaki gave him that drop kick like right to the face. Yeah, and he snapped back in a way that made it seem like he actually got kicked in the face, which I'm hoping. He didn't, but yeah, just all the crazy. I mean, that Russian leg sweep, which kind of didn't work out and in a way looked more dangerous because it didn't work out, I think, because the chairs, of course, went sliding all over the place. Um, but I liked, I went slightly lower than you. I went four and a fourth. Um, oh, you hated it. Yeah, I hated it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's about, almost the same. Four and a fourth. I'm here to bury this match. Yeah. Um, no, but I liked it, and I think you covered really, um, you know, the highlights of the match. Yeah, this is just just awesome match, and Ishii always gets the he always he always kills. It's just it's so similar to Tomohiro. It's like he's so great, and then every time you know it seems he, they put him on the back burner for a long time, and every time they put him in, in a big match, he just fucking kills it. So you know. But yeah, that was that was a DET a King of DET round three. Um, you know, the, the first half of the show very skippable, but the do not skip those four quarterfinal matches. They were all pretty awesome. But any other thoughts on the show? No, I think it was a strong show. I mean, it's the strongest Corican show from DDT that I can remember in a while. As I said, I would have to go back and probably look at the cards um, and remember. But it's the strongest one in recent memory. For me, yeah, I mean, look, there's um, G1 shows I didn't give three, four star plus matches to, so you know, but, yeah, and it certainly felt like kind of a, I mean, if you would have just watched the top four matches, probably could have had the feel of a, you know, a G1 show, like a good G1 show, where the good stuff is, you go, hey, that was fun, that was good, and the really good stuff, you're like, ah, oh, that was great, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I definitely agree. Maybe not the best show for, like, DT's comedy stuff, but there'll be more of that coming. But, yeah, so let's get into the Tokyo Joshi Pro. Brand new wrestling, too. Now it's time to attack from August August 25th. Uh, they did 960 fans, which is pretty good. Uh, better than the DT show did earlier in the day. And, you know, it looked pretty, looked pretty full on camera anyway. Um, so we opened up with... First of all, I need to make fun of myself because I said I went on Twitter. I totally forgot that the New Japan ring announcer, the old one, I can't, I don't remember his name, but I totally forgot he does these Corrigans. Because he came out at the start and I was marking out like, whoa, what is he doing here? And I was like, wait a second. <laughs> or Jesse, Jesse had to tell me on Twitter. She was like, you know, he's there every t- every show. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so if you're wondering, I'm, uh, I'm, I have brown hair, but sometimes I'm blonde. So blonde roots. But yeah, so that was uh, that was mildly embarrassing. I figured I'd share it with the entire Twitterverse. I think it's also because he switches off with, um, you know, the regular ring announcer. Yeah, back and forth. So sometimes if I only if I was skipping around a show, I could just like not notice it. But you know, I, I was watching from the very start of this one, so I just saw him come out, and I was like, oh, this is really cool, and I look like a complete idiot. So 
but the the show opened after he he made some comment apparently like I think I didn't make it to G one but I made it here, which is kind of funny. But um, but yeah, so the show opened with the up up girl battle, the up up war, Hikari and Raku defeating Miyu and Hinano with when Hikari submitted Hinano with the uh, Cobra Twist in eight thirty six. The, the, my biggest takeaway from this is Miyu is an absolute unit. <laughs> like she, she's like so much like bigger and stronger looking than the other up up girls. It always looks like to me like she's gonna kill them or something. Like she like puts them in those bear hugs and she's like squeezing. But I just I don't know. They always oh these up up girl battles they always devolve into like Miyu just like beating the smaller girls' asses. So that was my big uh, takeaway. I don't know. What do you think about this one? Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was, you know, just they're they're very green, but they, they try. Hard. Yeah, it felt to me just like an opener of you know, hey, you know, we're here, and you know, did kind of a, you know, just a simple match. So it was good, but really, I don't have many more thoughts beyond that. Um, match number two: Nodoka Tedma debuting her new gimmick, team with Yuki Eno to defeat Yuna Manase and. Yuki Kamafuku. Uh, Tema pins Kamifuku with the kill switch in 722. Uh, I like the team of Manase and Kamifuku. It's like, I don't know, it's like five, seven girls uniting or something. Like, they're both, like, big ladies. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense they'd be, they'd be a team together. Um, and then Nadoka's... I mean, it, it worked out, I guess, even though they lost, it worked out better than the last time Yuki tried to, to team with a, a wrestler similar height in Tokyo Joshi Pro. When uh, she tried to join up with uh, Saki-sama briefly, and they spent the entire match with her and like Azusa Christie arguing. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that show, but that was really funny. Yeah. But, um, but here, Madoka Tenma, you know, the the gimmick looked just as cool in motion as it did in you know in the still images. So that was pretty cool, and she like she basically like at one point Yuki like tried to, like, fuck with Nadoka about her lack of height before the match, and Nadoka got, like, really mad <laughs> and, like, was all fire, being all fiery about it, and then Yuki, like, tagged out after taking one shoulder block, which I thought was funny. It's like, she want, she pissed her off and she wanted no part of her after that. Um, but yeah, this is cool. Good, good little tag. I had a note about, and I don't remember, I made this note and I didn't put enough detail on it. Tedma got dropped on her face at one point. Did you did you see that or remember it? I probably did, but I don't remember it either. I mean, I'm sure it happened. I just remember uh, being like, oh. <laughs> um, but I don't remember at what point, um, what point it was. I, you know, I liked it. It was kind of a more, you know, comedy. You know, a little bit of comedy. Yeah. Um, but a fun match. You know, only seven minutes, so. Yeah. Pretty fast. A lot of, this, a lot of the stuff on the undercard was yeah, it was pretty easy to get through. Uh, speaking of seven minutes and fast, Priscilla Kelly defeated our our hero, your hero, my hero, Hyper Mistel, with the osteoporosis in six forty one. Um, but yeah, this is a <laughs> this is this match is based around like so so Priscilla Kelly like licks people. That's her whole thing, which is very gross. And Mistel was prepared and like rubbed wasabi sauce on her arm. So when like Priscilla Kelly licked her arm, she was like, you know, she was her mouth was burning basically. And then we had, and then Masai like pulled out the entire wasabi bottle 
and like throwing it at her and using it as a weapon, like pouring it out her ma- in her mouth. But that's that was basically what this match was uh, was based around. You know, you, you pretty much know what you're gonna get with a hyper missile match, I think. But um, it was good. Yeah, and I think in DDT, um, they really lean into the Priscilla Kelly. Uh, I don't know if you call it a licking gimmick. <laughs> I think uh, it would actually. Um, all she does. She does it a little bit in Evolve, but it's kind of in a like a like a hypnotism vampire kind of thing. Yeah. Which here it just seems more like a I'm a weird person um, kind of thing. There was the um, um, <laughs> there was the moment of ass eating in the match, <laughs> which I found a little bit bizarre. Yeah. Um, you know, just on its own, and then also as a wrestling move, um, seems like it would be ineffective. Um, yeah, I really like Priscilla Kelly for a reason I don't really know why. Um, She's pretty good. I don't. I don't dislike her. Like she has an interesting look. Um, like I like like other people I like. I can be like I like this person because you know they have great matches and they're hard hitting. Or I really like the gimmick is funny or something like that. With Priscilla Kelly, I'm like I like her, but I don't. I don't really know why. Yeah, I, I have people like that too, so it's fair. So um, I didn't even notice, by the way, before this match started, uh, Masao actually told the crowd in Japanese what her plan was with the with the this, with the uh, you know putting the uh, the wasabi sauce yeah. on her on her on her mask and stuff. And she basically had like I could tell even with my terrible Japanese, I could tell that like sh- what Shoda was saying as the quote unquote translation was not what Masao yeah, was. It was not true. Like, yeah, because like. Masao was not saying, like, you know, nice to meet you. How, you know, let's have a clean... I could tell she wasn't saying that, so... Yeah, oh, I can't wait for the bell to ring. <laughs> yeah. And... I was like, okay, she's clearly not saying that, so... So that was funny. But, uh, but yeah, so match number four, Saki Akai defeated her Azusa Takigawa with the Rookie Award, which is her crossbody at the top. If you're wondering why I named that focus, because she won the Tokyo Sports Rookie of the Year when she debuted. I still have no idea how that happened. Must have been a really lean year for rookies. Because she was awful when she started. I mean, do you remember how bad she was? Yeah. She's gotten a lot better now. Like she's I, I wouldn't even call her like good or anything now, especially out of the like in the Saki Sama gimmick, which is going away now, apparently. I actually thought she was actively good. Rookie Ask of the year twenty fourteen. Now Ask I'm like her. trying to look up <laughs> who Tokyo Sports, rookie. Of the but yeah, so, I'm trying to figure out like who her competition was. <laughs> oh, but like I, maybe look, she's a very attractive woman. Maybe uh, I'm not saying that definitely one of the voters, but you know, how, I mean, how many five nine Japanese women are there? You know, I guess she just she stood out or something. But uh, but yeah, she so she beat her. Okay, so so to explain this, so Saki Sama went back to France. Or is going back to France. Azusa Christie is no longer brainwashed. So it's the former nun, former brainwashed nun slash former uh, like obsessed bride bride to be or wants to be a bride, bride wannabe, I guess, versus her not quite evil ex-master or evil ex-mistress because it's like the alternate persona of her evil ex-mistress. Everything I just said makes more sense than like every WWE storyline nowadays. <laughs> 
So there you go. But didn't Saki Akai also, she brought Azusa in to Tokyo Joshi or she was her first friend or something as yes. Saki Akai? Yes, I think, I think that's true, yeah. By the way, there was no winner of Best Newcomer in 2015, <laughs> which shows that the pickings might be very slim <laughs> for this award. Okay. Well, anyway, so the point is Saki Akai... Uh, she got the win here. Yeah, this was this was cool. I didn't dislike this match or anything. Um, you know, the th- there was one moment where at the towards the start, so so sometimes she throws those big like sweeping kicks that she knows she's gonna miss on purpose that her opponent's gonna duck. But like she threw one that was so still so awkward that it came so close, just like taking uh, <laughs> taking Forzus's head off. Like it was right inches away, probably from just fucking decapitating her. So that was scary. Um, but yeah, she went from um, she went from being pinned to having Azusa in a triangle so fast, like I didn't even notice at first. That was a good-ass triangle by, yeah. uh, by Saki Akai. And she gave her like a running soccer ball kick that looked really brutal. Like the thing, the thing I noticed with her the most is, first of all, her, like, I don't, I, I'm pretty sure she's like dating Yukio Sakaguchi. You know, the two of them always are hanging out after the shows and stuff. Uh, if they're not dating at least very close friends or something. And I think he's, like, showed her, you know, like, some of the grappling stuff. Because I've noticed her grappling is a lot. It's, like, exists now, which it never did in the past. So I think she's gotten better at that. And and she actually, like, makes contact with her kicks now. Like, there was a time when she started out, especially, where her kicks looked like total garbage. And nowadays, they can, it can still look like total garbage. But she makes contact a lot more often. Like, someone told her, basically, you're a Joshi. You're supposed to just kick people. Like, I know it, it It sucks to be kicked, but that's what we do here. You just kick them as hard as you can. And that's what she does. So, you know, it, it looks a lot better than not kicking them or just kicking them lightly. Um, but, yeah, this was um, in a weird way. Like, I think the fact that she's not very good at, like, selling kind of worked for this match. Because, like, I couldn't tell if she was no selling on purpose because she was, she was so much bigger than Asusa. Or if... She's just not very good at selling, and it was just like it didn't really matter. It's just like that's what she was going to do anyway. But either way, it worked for me in this match, and I liked Azusa as like the underdog. Um, you know, you know, you knew she had no chance, especially since she's retiring soon. But I thought she put up a good fight here, and I went three and a half on this. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I thought it was good too. And I was going to bring up the point that I think uh, Saki Akai has improved. I also thought that um, while watching the match. Um, this year, this year has been big for her. Like last, into like last year, I think is when she really yeah. started. But like, yeah, um, yeah. But I thought it was a good match. It's one of those kind of matches where you're more invested, kind of in what the story is than what the wrestling turns out to be. Yeah. Um, in a way, but I enjoyed it. I probably would go around, you know, similar to you. Um, three, you know, three and a half, maybe three and a fourth, or you know, something like that. Yeah. Um, after that, we had an up up girls performance. So, hooray! And after that, we had the special singles match. Now, I want to clarify because this happened last week, where we talked about how many up up Kevin and I talked about how many up up girls are having a better year than AJ Styles, and I want to say that for our official. Um, for our official determination of this, we did factor in their singing ability. There you go. 
Like, look, AJ Styles, he's not having great matches, and he's also not, not singing a great for singer. Him. He's not. He's not. Is AJ Styles putting on idol concerts for my entertainment? No, he is not. Are the Up Up Girls putting on idol concerts for my entertainment? Yes, they are. I'm just saying that should that should be part of the people's qualification. The Up Up Girls will make my top 100 before AJ Styles is this year. Mark my words. Uh, match number five, the special singles match. Riho defeated Shoko Nakajima with the Somato in 11.42. Um, Riho starting at age nine and being like 21 now is like one of many things that makes me feel old as hell. I don't know. But like I've watched her for so long. Like, you know, not that I'm the world's biggest Riho fan or anything, but like I've seen her show up in so many places over the years. And it's like, wow, she's like a grown-ass woman now. <laughs> it's really, it's really weird. Um, but yeah, I just noticed like it was, it was basically, it was probably technically better than the last match, but like without the emotional connection to the ex Bushiki, you know, Bushiki Goon thing, like I wasn't really just not, I just wasn't quite as into it. I really liked this match. Um, I don't think it like blew away the match before or anything like that. I just really enjoyed kind of the fast paced um, kind of match that they did. Um, I find the is maybe a hot take but i find the 619 a really dopey wrestling move yeah i agree Um, but i actually like they had a uh, sequence in this match that was trying to hit 619s on each other and it happened kind of quickly where it was miss 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 and then i think riho hit nakajima with one that i really liked so i thought that was cool even for someone who i usually think 619s look kind of stupid um but i thought it was really strong like i was very close to three and three fourths mm. um just because i liked the style the fast-paced style you know the finisher was the the knees to the back the double knees to the back um so i thought it was really good yeah i would i would have got like three and a quarter but still i not to say i didn't enjoy it but it was it was just kind of there for me um then we had the semi-main the Tokyo Princess Tag Team titles, Yuka, Sakazu- Yuka Sakazaki and Mizuki defeated Reika Saiki and Maki Ito when Mizuki pinned Ito with the cutie special in 1559. Uh, the Magical Sugar Rabbits, as they're apparently being called, became the fourth Tokyo Princess Tag Team champions. Um, yeah, this was awesome, <laughs> first of all. I, I thought it was to Yuka, Yuka Sakazaki. I remember I was talking to somebody else on Twitter about this. I don't remember who it is, but she, once you understand that she's like secretly a heel, you understand her matches a lot better because she comes out of like that rapid fire. It might've been Oyster Earrings on Twitter. That might have been what it was. But yeah, she comes out of like this rapid fire, um, you know, happy, you know, happy hardcore theme song. And she's all smiles, but she's like the most vicious little fuck <laughs> in these matches. And her secretly a heel stuff, is rubbing off on Mizuki immediately, apparently, because they sneak attacked Reika Saiki and Maki Ito like right off the right off the bat of the match. So, but yeah, there was a, you know, there you know they it kind of started with that sneak attack. Then Reika Saiki at one point just like caught Mizuki in midair and just hoisted her up onto her shoulders for the fireman's carry drop. That looks really cool. Mizuki uh, Reika Saiki, very strong lady, if you didn't know. Um, and then Ito came in and just like fucking. That was when Ito was just like kicking her when she was downed, and that was pretty badass. She just like 
walking over and kicking her repeatedly like, you fuck. You abandoned me, huh? <laughs> um, and then when her power slamming Mizuki repeatedly, because Mizuki used to have to assist her with her power slams, was a better fucking callback than anything in Johnny Gargano versus Tomiyoko. I honestly say the fucker's name. Johnny Gargano <laughs> and Champa. Okay? Fuck them. That was a better callback. <laughs> but yeah, I said don't at me, and nobody added me about that when I said that on Twitter. So no one no one disagreed enough to to go for the to break the do not dare at me. But yeah, um like at one point Maki Ito took like an airplane spin and the camera the camera I thought was really funny was like doing the shaky camera thing. Yeah. To match how how dizzy Maki Ito was stumbling around. Um this is a point in the match apparently where I just treat out this rules. So I guess I was pretty into it. Um there was another there was a really cool camera shot where Yuka like came flying in from off screen for her springboard splash, the I think the Maho Shoujo splash. And Maki like just like gets her knees up and it was really a really cool visual. Because so, just so how she could fly in off the screen and then just immediately hit knees. Um at that point Mizuki like tried to headbutt Maki Ito, which you'd think her of all people would know better. You cannot do do you know the reason why you can't headbutt Maki Ito? No. Why? It's because she's so stubborn. <laughs> and like, you know, she does has a hard like in Japanese, I guess like you have a hard head when you're like a stubborn, you know, kind of stupid person, honestly. And that she's she she has that hard head. I think it's also because she has a big head, quote unquote. Which is um you know, like a big head as in like because she's a fucking idol. You get it? She has a yeah. big head. So like <laughs> the, the other reason why her head is so hard. But yeah, so she basically like just totally, you know, shook off those headbutts. Uh, just kept beating the shit out of her. But then there was a... Then they, they came back, they hit the Maho Shoujo splash, and then Mizuki hit the double stomp off the top, which I thought was going to be the finish, uh, but but actually there was a save there, so that was a really awesome near fall. And then Maki Ito went down literally screaming. <laughs> she ran she ran at Mizuki, but Mizuki turned it into the cutie special, and that got the pin. Yeah, I went four stars on this. This was awesome. Um... You know, I just thought, you know, obviously, all the stuff with Mizuki and Ito was great, and this was just a really great tag match. Yeah, I agree with you, and I think you brought up a lot of the points that I would have brought up. I always love um, the unexpected move flying from off camera. Yes, <laughs> that happens. They do it in Dragon Gate all the time with the with uh, Rio Saito's rocket. Yeah, the rear. Where the camera will the be on someone, and then all of a sudden he pops into the frame. Yeah. Um, so I always think that's fun. You know, the, the spinning and the, you know, zooming in and out of the camera. Um, yeah, but I think you really uh, made all the points for me. It was a really good match. I thought the whole top of this, you know, top of the card was really good. Um, yeah. and, and flew by. I mean, this was such a quick show for me to watch. I don't know how you felt watching it. Um, oh, but yeah. it, this is really like, for me. Boom, boom, yeah. boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Um, I mean, Tokyo Joshi Pro, if like if you count them separately, like they're my promotion of the year. Because every single, uh, there is never, like when Tokyo Joshi Pro is coming out with a show, I'm never like, fuck, I have to watch Tokyo Joshi Pro. It's just, it's always like, even when they don't have like really, really good matches like they did here, like the shows just fly the fuck by. I'm super invested in all the characters, I'm super into all the storylines. 
it's just it's and they have they put on some great tournaments too. So yeah, just like I was, you know the the tournament that you won recently was really good. So it was what the princess princess, or was it the oh princess cup? But yeah, I mean, it was a, you know, just a really, really cool promotion this year. Now, if you count them as DDT, like that to me gives DDT a huge edge, which I think is how they're going to be counting like an observer type award since you count NXT as part of WWE. Right. But yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, they're a great promotion. I never, their shows always fly by for me, but this one really, really flew by. Um, and we have our main event, the Tokyo Princess of Princess title. Um, Miyu Yamashita defeating you with the Crash Rabbit Heat in 1709 to retain the title. Um, I, I, I should have looked this up before. Why did she lose the title to you? But it's, it was 2016, I believe, right? Uh, hold on. I'll t- um, she lost the title. Uh, yeah, 2016. She lost the title to you on September 22nd. 2016, yeah. yeah. So so this was a, their first singles match, I believe, since that, since that one. They might have fought each other in like a tournament or something. But yeah, so last time you beat her by TKO in 1426. And that that ended Yamachita's first title reign, which was the, the first title reign period in, you know, in Tokyo Joshi Pro history. Um, you know, so you at that point, you held it for 255 days, just not quite as long as Miyu, Miyu's first reign, which was two, 262. Um, she lost to Yuka Sakazaki, who won it on June 4th, 2017. She held it for 83 days. Uh, she lost it to Reika Saiki, uh, August 26, 2017. She held it for 131 days before Miyu won it back on January 4th this year. And she's had it ever since, which is now 238 days, so approaching her own record. But yeah, this is, um, you know, I think Miyu, Miyu is, first of all, she's probably my favorite my favorite ace in wrestling this year. I think she's just had awesome match after awesome match for this title. Um, you know, the last cork, and I thought her match with Rika Tatsumi was awesome. Um, you know, the one she had with Yuna Manase was pretty awesome. And when she won the title from Reika Psyche, that was, that was a really, really good match as well. Um, so Miyu and, and, and most of those I mentioned were at Cork and Hall. I don't think the, the Manase one wasn't, that was Shinkiba. But the other two, you know, Yu and Tatsumi and Psyche were all at Cork. And so I'm starting to associate her and Cork with like these awesome title matches, you know? But, um, but yeah, as far as like this match itself goes, um, you know, it started with like a really cool, like extended ground grappling sequence. That I thought looked really good. Um, you know, they both they both were just kind of like grappling it up there. Um, Miu like kicked her really hard in the face, like we're under five minutes in still, and I was like, okay, this is gonna be pretty physical. Um, and then at one point, you had like you had Miu down in a, like sitting in a chair on the floor and tried to like run and jump into her, but Miu moved like the last possible second. And you like crashed in that chair and like sent the chair flying back in the barricade. And she hit that barricade so fucking hard. Like I screamed, honestly. I was like, what the fuck was that? I don't know. You, I don't think she really meant to hit that hard, did you? Um <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it was I don't know that and I, I don't ever know when people like hit <laughs> stuff like that if they mean if they're like, I'm gonna hit it at this certain, you know. Yeah. I think you just go and you're like, however I hit this is how it's it's gonna be hit. But yeah, that was like that looked brutal though. Um, but then after that, she recovered pretty quickly. She powerbombed Miyu on the ring apron, which I have to note here: Miyu Yamashita took that powerbomb on the ring apron in Cork and Hall a hell of a lot better than the IWGP Heavyweight Champion. 
took a power bomb in the ring apron in Corican Hall. Do you remember that bump he took with Tamatanga? Where he like took the power bomb on his ass? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> it, looked yeah, yeah. Like sh- it looked like shit. I'm not even convinced it's like really any safer. It's like you can could you like break your ass or something? I don't know. But it was that was looked really bad. But here me you took it really well. I'm like honestly it looked like it almost killed her. Um but yeah, then there were like some at that point we had like the you basically started doing like these really hard forms and chops in the corner that just looked really, really vicious. And then me you like damn near decapitated her with like a high kick. That was like really brutal. Yeah, and that was my highlight of the match because the announcer screamed. <laughs> I at that I point, I think I screamed too. Oh, um, yeah, but um, Miu was like, did you see that she was marked up from the chops? Yeah, she was. She was. She was all, her chest was all red. Yeah. So yeah, she was. They were. They were just beating the fucking shit out of each other here. It was. This was like. This was worked exactly how I would have wanted to see it because, like, when you look at it, these, are basically the two aces of the company. They're both like these two, like I, they've been built up really well as these two like really strong forces in the company. You know, me was the only two time champion. You was the one who beat her last time, and she just won the this Princess Cup tournament. Like these are clearly the two strongest wrestlers in the company, and like you know they just had this match where they just neither one of them ever looked weak. Really, they just basically you know stood there and traded bombs and beat the shit out of each other the entire time. Like that's exactly how I would have wanted them to work this. So I thought it was really good. I mean, this is this is a rare match for me where I thought, like, usually a match will go too long. I thought this one too short. Like, yeah, you kicked, you you got pinned in seventeen oh nine with that crash rabbit heat. I thought you was going to kick out of that, and I think the crowd actually thought she was going to kick out of that too. You know, even though it's Yamashita's finisher, I, I, I think that would have been a crazy kick out, and I think they could have done like another three to five minute like closing stretch. I mean, I wanted Yamashita to win, so I wasn't like upset or anything. But um, but yeah, I think this could have used like another three to five minutes, and I think you know could have hit like a, another level. I still went four and a quarter on. It. I still thought it was really awesome. Um, they fucking beat the shit out of each other. I liked it a hair better than the the Shayna Blazer Kari Sade match from Takeover, which I know a lot of a lot of people liked a lot. I, I mean, I gave that four and a quarter as well. But I liked this one just like a hair better. So yeah, I thought it was fucking awesome. Yeah, I'm pretty much right with you. I went four and a quarter. I was close to four and a half. Yeah, uh, me. I, I went back and forth a lot. Which probably would have gotten to if they would have had more time. Um, just, I love the grappling at the beginning. Um, and I loved the hard-hitting uh, nature of it. So it yeah. was totally a great... I I really loved it. Thought it was a great match. Um, you know, it's hard to compare to that Baszler... Sane match. Yeah, they're two very different types of For matches. For me, they're very different types of yeah. matches, and they're kind of telling different um not to use a dirty word, telling different stories. <laughs> um I so, mean was, I just I just came to my head when I was tweeting it because it's like that was another woman's match that everybody loved. And I loved it too, honestly. But I was like, wow, I think I actually like this one just a little bit better. But you know, this is something that it you know, we talked about being like a G1 show, that first DDT show. I mean, if you took two two guys from DDT and did this match with them, I mean, I think you could see this in a, G, a G1, yeah. at a G1 show. I mean, the hard, you know, hard hitting. I mean, we had all those matches at this G1 that were really, you know, strike exchanges and chops and kicks and stuff like that. So it was worked in a very 
you know, hard hitting kind of G1 take no BS style. Uh, like a Shibata Ishii match or something. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, like that, um, you know, like Ishii Goto match or the, you know, Abushi Ishii match. Like stuff like that where it's just we're going to stand and we're going to hit each other really hard. Uh, and whoever hits harder is going to win. Yeah. So not a very good show. As It's been a really good year for Tokyo Joshi Pro. If you're not watching Tokyo Joshi Pro, I mean – if you're not watching DET, you should fix that too, honestly. But Tokyo Joshi Pro, I mean, it's it's worth it's worth signing up, paying for DET Universe just to get Tokyo Joshi Pro. Like that fee is worth it just to see these Tokyo Joshi Pro shows. So you can fucking do it and just call DET a bonus if you really want to. So I mean, well, yeah, that's it's definitely DDT Universe is such a huge value, yeah, to me, which is why I recommend it more than other. Streaming services I watch just because you get it all. So if you only really like one thing, it's still a, if you only watch DDT, I mean it's a good value. Yeah. But the fact is, there's also you know all these other shows. You know Tokyo Joshi Pro. They're always putting up this older content or having specials. I just think it's a really well-run service. Yeah, it's really good. Um, so I totally agree with you. Like sign up for one and. If you don't watch any of the other ones, then you don't. But, I mean, they're there and they're doing good stuff. Yeah. Um, so, highly recommended by me. Yeah, if, if you have the ET Universe you're not watching Tokyo Joshi Pro, f- fix that. <laughs> and this is a good place to start, too, because, um, you know, it's a big blow-off match. All you really, really need to know for that main event especially is that these are the two strongest women in the company and they're going to beat the shit out of each other. That's really all. That's it. And you can enjoy that one. You don't really need to know any backstory. Um, but yeah, really good show. So let's move on now to the final of the three Corkin shows. BDT, Blackout presents King of DT 2018 final round. Corkin Hall, 1,033 fans. So this is a weird one where I thought I I thought I may have been spoiled on the winner of King of DT. Like someone tweeted out like just like Daisuke Sasaki and like all caps or something. So I was like, oh, maybe that means he won. But I wasn't 100% sure. So, you know, it was still, there was still like intrigue with me there by the time I was watching this. But yeah, uh, we'll get into it here. First of all, did you see the undermatch? Because I didn't see it. I, I was watching the Samurai TV version. Uh, I did. Was it, it was Iwasaki um, beating Shimatani yeah. with a crab hold in 809. Was there anything to it? No. Okay. So, <laughs> moving on then to the Tutu Hide Goodbye Series final match Lucha Libre Rules. Shinshiro Takaki, Toru Washi, and Kazuki Hirata defeating Akito, Yuki Ino, Gorgeous Machino, and Saki Akai when Hirata pinned Ino with the Miracle One-Shot Cradle in 10-01. This was fucking awesome. I mean, this is like everything I want out of a DZ comedy match. A great way to say goodbye to Tiju Hide. Um, it's kind of sad they're breaking up, right? I mean, I know their whole gimmick is that they suck and they don't really want to be together and they're a joke. But they were awesome. <laughs> and it's I'm so kidding. funny because I don't even like sometimes I don't even really think of them together, <laughs> even though they are together. Like when they were all the um, ultimate Ultimo, you know, I don't cousins or brothers yeah. or whatever they were. Yeah. Like they're still together, but they're like, oh, these are some you know dragons we found. <laughs> um, but you know, it was a good group, but. 
like three years, I think. They, they lasted right. a long time. But I don't know if maybe Harada goes in a direction that's like that, you know, the King of DDT match where he's more serious. Is it yeah. more worthwhile for him to do something yeah. like that? Yeah. You know, probably. really depends. I mean, and I think he'll always be, you know, I don't think they'll, you know, never team again. Yeah. I mean, yeah. maybe they don't, but. Um, well, I mean, he might be in the in disaster box now, so. Right. But yeah, so this was a goodbye match. Um, even even their last match, Owashi wouldn't let him dance the start. And then he, he gave a great, sometimes he's really funny with these. And this is like a really funny one where like, um, in, he, if you watch him in the background as Hiroto's get in the ring, get ready to dance, like he's moving like with the music, like he's into it. And then all of a sudden just kicks him. Like that was really great. Uh, and then of course, like everybody came down and gave him the stops. Even that, what is that penguin? It's like a sponsor, right? Yeah, it was the sp- I think I think it was the sponsor blackout? for like the blackout energy yeah. drink or whatever yeah. it was. So the, the, the giant penguin got in the ring and they all like put the boost <laughs> assisted into the ring. They had to like lift the penguin yeah. up the stairs and like shove him <laughs> in between the ropes. Oh god. I was like this this is a mess that had me like crying laughing. And like this is like DDT comedy in a nutshell, which was missing on the last show, I think. But yeah, I mean, like this is a match where I just tweeted that, like, and this was early on. I tweeted this, like, I can't imagine not loving DET. What a waste of your life! <laughs> it's like, how is pe- how do people not watch this? How do they not want to see a giant penguin put the boots to hear it? That like that is just so great. And then, um, Sensio uh, Takagi. Speaking of six one nines, he did like the worst six one nine wrestling <laughs> history. And then Akito, like, so Akito gets hit by it, takes like a little bump. And then, like, jumps backwards and takes another bump. That was so great. I don't know if he was planning to do that or, like, he just thought it was so stupid, such a stupid 619, he thought that'd be funny. Um, but then, so, so Gorgeous Machinose starts singing. Um, Akicho, his partner in the match, mind you, he, like, walks up behind him and, like, lifts him up in, like, a gut wrench hold, basically, and then does a, na- a nasty-looking gut wrench slam. Like, he Machinose landed pretty hard. Yeah, so he, he landed on his head or on his face or something. And yeah. I went, oh, no. <laughs> and this is also you could do power para. <laughs> so he like he takes out these glasses like how um like like how Hirata has glasses and Night of Fire starts playing, which is a very famous like power para song. And if you don't know what power para is, folks, um if you know what voguing is, like it's sort of the same. It's like, you know, these wacky like arm dancing where you're just really dancing with your arms and like you know, making like these movements. Um, so here to put his gla- put his glasses on. And at first, I thought it replaced uh, Night of Fire with Tokyo Go, but even better, it started playing both at the same time. Um, and they, we had like a dance off because, like, you know, Hirata was winning. So then um, Yuki Yuki Ino and Saki Akai both came in as Akito's backup. And they both were doing the power power with him. Uh, I, Saki Kai, very attractive power power dancer. She looked really into it. She looked like she was doing a pretty good job. Uh, Yuki Ino, not as good power power dancer, but he tried. He tried hard. Uh, although he was not the worst one in this match because that was still the job. Uh, but then, like you know, Owashi and Takagi came to hear at his aid and started doing his like hip gyrations and shit with him. So like the dancers going back and forth and like the music would like get louder for one or the other, depending on which trio was winning. And then Gorgeous Master just started singing. <laughs> like, cuts them all off and starts singing again. 
Um, but then the power of power starts again. They all start dancing, including Matsuno. And God bless gorgeous Matsuno. He was the worst power of power dancer in, I think, like, recorded human history. Like, he was barely moving his arms. <laughs> he was very, very bad. Like, he's supposed to be, like, doing these movements in time with everybody else, and he's sort of moving moving his arms in time with nothing. He was very, very bad there. Um, but then then we had the, uh, you know, the, the, the triple roll-up spot, and then, you know, here to end up getting the pin on Eno with the miracle one-shot cradle. So, yeah, and after the match, Takagi and Awashi both, like, applied fake tears. To, like, they took out a little, like, a little water bottle and, like, applied the fake tears to each other so they could to sell how sad this was. So, yeah, this was awesome. I don't know, you have anything to add? Yeah, agreed. <laughs> uh, I mean, you really, co- <laughs> you really covered it all. Yeah, it was a fun, it was a, you know, a really fun match. The fake tears almost killed me. That was really good. And the the power power stuff was, was really awesome, too. Uh, all right, why don't you start the next one, then? King of DT semifinal. Tetsuya Endo defeating Mao with a modified Yuri Kamome hold in 945. Well, so of- I'll cover both of the next, because the next two were the semifinal matches. I don't know yeah. if you agree with me. Both of the matches, to me, felt they were both short. Yeah. They were both about 10 minutes. And... To me, they felt like, oh, it's people who have to wrestle twice on the show. The yeah. winners have to wrestle twice. So they're kind of just going through the motions and just getting to the next match, the final match. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so, like, I don't even have any big points of the match. I thought they were fine. Not that they were bad matches. I don't want to say that they, you know, stunk or anything. But I, I, thought, just thought, I thought, I thought, I know, Matt was a little bit sloppy. I just thought at the end, I was like, well, that was a match. And, you know, in two weeks, I won't even, yeah. I'll be like, oh, yeah, that was a match that I watched at some yeah. point. I went two and three quarters on Endo and Mao, and I went three and a quarter on uh, Sasaki Harashima. So I like that one a little bit better, but they're both just there. Um, yeah, to- I totally agree. Yeah. Uh, I liked, I did like the, the finish for Sasaki Harashima, I thought was really good. Just that, you know, it felt like a supernatural counter at the end of the the sequence with Harashima missing the reverse Rana, the way he just, like, rolled him up with that crucifix. So I did like that. But other than that, I just thought it was a match. Uh, after that, we have the, the no-touch four-way tag. What the fuck did no-touch mean? Did I miss that? I don't know, because the match, like, broke down within <laughs> about five seconds. So. Oh, no-touch, I think it's meant, like, tornado. Yeah, like, right? you don't have to yeah, tag. Okay. But yeah, it was a Brahmin match, everybody. So Soma Takao and Mad Polly defeated Brahmin Shu and Brahmin K. Kudo and Masahiro Takanashi and Keisuke Ishii and Mike Bailey went to Kao pinned uh, Takanashi with the gin and tonic in 646. Um, I, if you don't know what a Brahmin match is by now, then I don't know what to tell you. You know, I, I really enjoy them. I got a kick out of it as usual, but like, it's not a lot to recap. They did all the Brahmin spots. Yeah, it was a bra. It was a Brahmin match, and it's the match that, you know, the Brahmins. I feel like show up in DDT like once every six months. Yeah, not even six months. Like once every two months. Oh, oh, yeah, I guess so. I feel like this is like the. Now I'm gonna look up. Two or three months. Yeah, I think. So their last match was August first. Oh. So, uh, and then so it's actually more like once a month because then they were there July eighth. Okay. 
Uh, oh, but they hadn't shown up before that. So that's what I'm thinking of, that they've shown up three times in the what? last two months. Okay. Well, what was the last event um, for July 8th? The last one before July 8th was do, 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 January 3rd. All right. Well, that's where I'm getting six months from, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> we were both right. Um, but, yeah, it's a Brahmin Brothers match. I don't know. You know, I, think I really want someone – if someone could please – if anyone wrestling, like, wrestling tastemakers happen to be listening to this, which you're, I know you're not, but if you are, please bring the Brahmins to, to New York City next year. Pretty please. <laughs> it would be awesome. How awesome would that be to have the Brahmins on every show? Like, can you imagine that the Brahmins on the WrestleCon Super Show or something, or like on a on a GCW show? I uh, mean, they could show up GCW. Yeah, because they have that big Japan thing. So come on, hey Nick Gage, if you're listening, come on, give me some Brahmins. Um, but yeah, so that was a Brahmin match. Uh, match number five was Don Shokudino, Makoto Oishi, and Super Set Sango Machine defeating. Shigehiro Irie, Jason the Gift Kincaid, and Mizuki Watase. When Dino submitted Watase with the Mako Killer 2 slash Homo Naciente, which is like the Sol Naciente. I totally, I mean, it does look exactly like the Sol Naciente. That's a funny name for it, the Homo Naciente. Uh, 447. Was the, this was just a match, basically. Uh, I think just a match. And then I think the focus now, even without the title, is Irie Dino. Yeah. Pretty, like we yeah. talked about, I'm still not sure to what end, especially now he doesn't have the title. Yeah, I mean, they're doing a three-way match, so I guess we'll see right. from there. I mean, I, my personal prediction is neither one of them is going to win the title back. Whatever's going to happen, we'll, we'll, we have questions about this, so we'll get into it. But whatever's going to happen is going to happen, and there's going to be some kind of Irie Dino gimmick singles match at Peter Pan. Like, that's what it's leading up to. But I guess we'll see. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, the the post match stuff was like Irie like ripping on Dino's shoulder, like trying to rip it out. Basically, it, me- it meant a little bit less since we found out that you know Dino loses anyway to Mako a few days later. Right. But yeah, um, and then we also announced that this match that Sasadan goes fighting the giant panda. So yeah, and oh yeah, the, and didn't he didn't he come out and say, oh this is a bad time? Did he say it, something like this is a bad time to tell me about this? I think so. Let me say. Oh, because he came back out. He was wearing Dino's. Yeah, he was wearing Dino's thing. Yeah, Dino's uh, uh, costume, and he came out, and I think he was like, "Well, this is a bad time for me to make a speech." <laughs> yeah, because he was wearing Dino's costume, so it did look a little weird. Um, I mean, that'll be a good match. So there you go. But he, there's, there's also where Dino revealed that he resigned as, D, as DDT producer since he, he, he said now that he's KOD champion and has a spot in the Sumo Hall main event, he no longer needs the producer role. So there you go. <laughs> sorry sorry for you, buddy. Uh, but Iria basically wanted a rematch, but Dino was like, I can't give it to you because, uh, you know, producer. I'm not the producer anymore. Um, and Iria kind of ranted back saying he's going to kill Dino. So I guess we'll see there. Um, but yeah, so then, the, then we had the semi-main, which was the special six-man tag team match, Tatsumi Fujinami, Antonio Honda, and Yukio Sakaguchi, defeating Kasusada Higuchi, Gota Ihashi, and Yuki Ueno. Fujinami submitted Ihashi with the Dragon Sleeper in 939. Um, I don't know how the fuck Fujinami still looks in like half-decent shape. How old he is looks, he? He's 64 or something Jesus. like that. 
How did he, he still is, look that good? He's 64. Yeah, he <laughs> looks great. Um, but yeah, so this is uh this was just kind of a match though. I don't really remember that much from it. Do you have anything any big thoughts on it? Well, my one thought was Ahashi, Higuchi, and Ueno is like a dream team for me. <laughs> uh, I thought they were great. Ueno has new gear because he yeah. was wearing that white gear. Is that new? Did I miss that on a, another show? Uh, I haven't watched yet. Like, did that maybe. come on one of the shows I, I haven't yeah, gotten to? Yeah, I think it might have come up already, but it could be. It wrong. was kind of very jarring for me because I'm so used to him in the black. Yeah. And he came out in white, and I was like, who is that? And I was like, oh. Yeah, I think it's because he joined that disaster box. But yeah, yeah, but I it was a match I enjoyed. You know, in terms of the kind of the old guys that seem to float around to all these promotions. I mean, Fujinami's pretty good, as you said. He looks in really good shape, and a lot of the stuff he does, like the Dragon Sleeper, he can still do. Obviously, yeah. Um, and it continues the story of Gota Hashi facing down these legends before yeah. the next uh, power hall show. Um, and then the main event, the King of DET final, Daisuke Sasaki defeating Tetsuya Endo with the crossover face lock in 2136. Um, I, I should have mentioned this earlier, but I, I said I was like, I thought I might have been informed of Sasaki winning, but the, the Endo winning the semifinal came first. So when Endo won that, I was like, wait a second, is my spoiler wrong? Are they, are they really doing Endo Sasaki? And then Sasaki won his too, so it's like, oh, they are doing Endo Sasaki. Um, what do you think of this one? Did you? Because did, I didn't. I think I might be the low person on it, but I wasn't wild about it. Now okay. you said you thought you were spoiled. I knew I was spoiled because okay. I saw someone tweeted about. They said, "Oh, um, Damnation has won the last three King of DDTs." Oh, was, oh, okay. I think Damnation's won like every single tournament since they were four. Yeah, because it was Suji in twenty seventeen. It was Endo uh, or twenty sixteen. It was Endo in twenty seventeen. And then Sasaki. So and, I knew. And Chuji won the Dio. Yes. <laughs> um, I just thought it was kind of a match. Um, I was I was hoping. I mean, I wasn't hoping because I knew he didn't win. But I would have been. I think I'm a little bit of the. I hate to say the low man on Sasaki, but I'm not. Wow as crazy about him. Like, I like him. I think he's good. Um, but I would have been interested to see Endo. I was actually thinking about Endo at the beginning of the King of DDT tournament because, um, and I don't know, maybe you have a thought about this. I thought that with all this confusion at the top with the title, that maybe he could get in there and win it. Yeah, um, maybe. I mean, he I mean, was pretty... I Close last year, a lot of people thought he was going to win. Yeah, I definitely thought he was going to win. when he didn't. But look, I mean, I with me, like as far as who's going to win this match, I did not give a shit. Honestly, I love both guys so much. Um, I love Endo, and I and I I'm not a person on Sasaki. I love Sasaki. I think he's like one of my favorites. But that's partly why this match is so disappointing for me, though, because I had very high expectations, and I really just thought it was a match. Um, but I went like three and a half, so it was a good match. But I just thought it was a little bit slow. Um, just like it felt way below the level of that quarterfinal stuff we talked about yesterday, except for maybe Mal and Bailey. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like the and plus Endo, like you know, they they did like that leg work early, and Endo was like jumping around and totally forgot about it, which is 
not something I enjoy. So I was going to say left the leg stuff out. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I still went three and a half. I still liked it, but I did definitely think it was disappointing. I'll be interested to see if maybe they just don't, you know, we don't have a huge body of work here for the two of them as opponents. So maybe they just don't have a lot of charisma as opponents. And, you know, Damnation is very popular. It almost felt like the crowd didn't really want to see them fight each other, you know? Right. Like, I got that vibe. The crowd was not that into it. I, I really think, like, a big part of it was, like, the Damnation fans in the audience just did not want to see them fight each other. So, but, yeah, I mean, I don't think it was a bad match, but I just definitely, you know, I was expecting better. And, but, yeah, I have no problem with Daisuke Sasaki winning. I feel like he took such a backseat this year that, you know, this was clearly, like, building to that. You know, like, it was kind of, like, building to, well, he's going to be in the big, the, a big deal in the second half. So we can right. like r- rotate them down. But what I'm interested to see what do you think? Do you think at Peter Pan I, I, I think he has a chance to win. I think he will win. I think he will win. Right. And I think it would make the most sense at the current moment for him to win. I don't know if someone else gets a gauntlet and cashes in and So yeah, so here's the thing. It? There's still a gauntlet out there. Um Saying who actually technically has it would be a spoiler for the Mae Young Classic because that's where Mako lost it. She lost it in the Mae Young Classic. Um, and the person she lost it to is not going to show up in DET. But there is precedent for... I mean, Dino just did this. There is precedent for someone giving their gauntlet to somebody else. So you could have somebody show up between now and Sumo Hall saying, you know, I got the person's gauntlet. You know, she gave it to me. I mean, that could happen. So, right. and ultimately, I think that's what will happen. I think someone will show up with this missing gauntlet and beat either Mako or whoever cashes in on Mako. I, I don't think Mako Satomura versus Daisuke Sasaki is going to be the Sumo Hall main event. It could be. It would be great um, if it was. I I'm would, interested in that match. They would have an awesome match, probably. So it could be the main event. But I do think someone's going to show up with a gauntlet. And we'll see who, basically. But, um, but yeah, I mean, if, if it's Mako versus Daisuke... Then I think it's 100% Daisuke's winning because Mako's not going to be a long-term champion. She's got, you know, she's got her own promotion to run. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, they could do it. I could, I one of those two scenarios. I do, I do not see Iria winning the title back. I do not see Dino winning the title back. I think they're going to fight each other in a singles match uh, at at Sumo Hall. So, and we got a bunch of questions on this. So basically, just answer it now. Like, well, and I think Suzaki, I agree with you that he's going to win. So I think Irie has no chance because I don't see the point in having him win it back again and lose it again. Yeah. That to and, me and seems Saki, the least likely scenario yeah, in all of this. Suzaki and Dino have no beef, really. They have no feud. So they just did their feud early in the year. I mean, they just there just really isn't anything there. So. But yeah, that's why I think it's either going to be Mako or somebody. Do you agree with me? Either Mako or somebody cashing in. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the thing with me is we only know we know the super um we know that match, Super Sadango Machine. Um do we know any other matches? Am I forgetting? Um there's matches? that the, the wave match with Makoto and his wife. Oh, that's right. The the yeah. the wedding match or the marriage match. The Makoto Oishi and his wife against uh what what's his wife's name again? You watch Wave. Uh, Misaki Ohada. Oh, that is the one you really like. Okay. Yes. Yeah, um, I watch Wave. But yeah, him and Misaki Ohada against Joey Ryan and... Uh, Joey okay. Ryan and Laura James. Thank you. I can never remember Joey um, Ryan. 
But like, if they came out and they were like, the tag title match is Mao and Bailey versus yeah, then you know they're uh, not going to be. Yeah, I don't know, like Ishikawa and uh, and or someone else big or some outsider who's a big name, then I could see them pulling Satomura and Sasaki in the main event. Yeah, um, because they're going to have to have some other match to draw, you know, to draw people in who might not go otherwise. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if they're going to announce that soon or if they announce it in a little, like, I just don't know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I th- it's going to be interesting any way that it happens. It's certainly exciting not knowing what's going to happen as opposed to heading in and just saying, okay, here's, you know, X, Y, Z is going to happen. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so there you go. So that's, uh, that was the show. It was, it was a more like DDT show with all the comedy and stuff, but yeah, definitely nothing on this show came to the, to the level of, uh, that first night. I think it was the weakest of the three shows. Agreed. Uh, but yeah, so we both, but on the, on the main event for Peter Pan, I think Mako versus Daisuke is second most likely below somebody cashing in. Who that would be, I have no idea. But somebody... Yeah, I can't even think of who would be the... It could be like somebody like Takashila, because I think he'll be back in time. Yeah, it could be. But All right, so that is DDT. We talked almost two hours just on DDT, so... And I hope you enjoyed it. I I love talking DDT. I never, never get enough of it, but... We should move on to some other stuff. First of all, the little show coming out coming up this weekend that you and I are both going to called All In. Uh, as mentioned at the top of the show, I have third row seats to this, and <laughs> I'm not not very thrilled with the card. Um, You've been punished. You... You've been punished with third row seats. I've been punished with third row seats. Um, like you, they, for people who don't know, by the way, these, the, the tickets were not expensive. Um, even like the ringside were really not that expensive. It was just uh, the sheer luck that I somehow got those tickets when I, you know, logged in and bought them. I don't, you know, I would have gotten, I would have been fine with anything, honestly. But you know, when they, when that came up as like the best available, I was like, okay, <laughs> I'll take it. But you know, looking back on like why I decided to go to this, it was like the they had, they had announced Okada, right? And I had this thing in my head like, you know, Okada. Okay, well, if Okada's going. They're going to have a big match for him. You know, I was thinking, I was imagining something like, you know, dream partner tag, Okada and Pentagon or Okada and Rey Mysterio or something like that against Omega and Ibushi. Like, that's what I had in my head. And I was like, that could be really awesome. I want to be there for that. Um, that's not what we got. <laughs> we got a match with Okada and Marty Scroll, which is, of the, my disappointments of this card, that is by far my biggest disappointment. If Okada was in a match I really wanted to see, um, I think I would be able to overlook a lot more of this card. The fact that he's in a, a match against a guy I have like less than zero desire to see him face, a guy who I fucking cannot stand, one of my least favorite wrestlers, like that to me is what really killed this card for me. Because if I had Okada and you know something, something Okada in a big match to look forward to, I would feel a lot better about this card. As it is now, it's like. Well, there's one match I'm really into, and then nine other matches, basically. So that's my general thoughts and explaining why I'm not that thrilled here before we break it down. Well, you- and we'll go through, um, and 
But I think the show a little bit was hurt by the fact that that the first match announced was Okada's girl. Yeah. Which didn't set the world on. Like, if that was... If they had announced that six-man first, and then maybe a couple other matches, and then Omega Pentagon, and then a couple other matches, and then Okada Skrull, I think people might... You know, I don't think it would turn anyone around 100%, but I think people might think differently because I just remember that match was announced and it was kind of went over like a lead balloon. And that was the first, I think that was the very first match that was announced. Yeah. I think it was, Um, it was not the first, it was definitely one of the first. But we'll go through through this. I'm um, more positive on the show than you, not to say I'm a hundred percent positive and you'll see as we go through, but, you know, I think the show is a little bit better than, you know, looking at it again, it's a little bit better than I initially thought it was, but we'll cover that as we go through the individual matches. Um, okay, so it starts out with some pre-show stuff. First of all, the Briscoes against SoCal and Censored, Kazarian and Scorpio Sky. Couldn't give less of a shit about this. It's a Ring of Honor match. Uh, yeah, I agree. I'm trying to think what the last Briscoe match I watched that I was like, oh, that was really great. They're, they're having a really tough run this year from what I've seen. Now, granted, I, they might have turned it around because I haven't watched the Ring of Honor in a while, but like the, the Global Wars, like when I saw them on Global, the Global Wars tour, they looked really awful. So I don't know if they just like, age is finally catching up to them and all the bumps they've taken or what, but they just, they have looked really bad this year. Yeah, but I think this is. I mean, it's on the pre-show. It's the first match on the pre-show. So, you know... I'm not I, saying it make or break the card or anything. No, no, no. I'm just saying, I, with this one, I kind of shrug my shoulders and go, oh, it's a match, you know. Oh, well. It's a Ring of Honor match, a shitty one at that. Uh, Over-budget Battle Royal, a 15-person Battle Royal with the winner getting a world title shot against Jay Lethal um, later on in the main card. I mean, the, the world title shot thing is a cool little idea because... It did make this match actually feel like it, you know, matters, which is a good idea because otherwise it's a stupid battle royal. So, you know, a good plan by them there. Um, we have, let me see how many names so far: four, five, six, seven. So we know eleven people so far: um, Jordine Grace, Moose, Rocky Romero, Coke Cabana, Ethan Page, Brian Cage, Billy Gunn. That was that actually popped me. That was really funny. Um, Jimmy Jacobs, Marco Stunt. Brand, who the fuck is Brandon Cutler? I have no idea. What so that is. Brandon Cutler is a friend of the Young Bucks. Okay, um, that's the only name he, here. I was like, what? The, who the fuck is that? I think he did some PWG, or he's from that scene. He's from the um, SoCal scene. He was also on the Amazon Dojo Pro show. Yeah, I'm not, never gonna watch that. Um, <laughs> so he was on that. Um, but his main connection, and I think he said this when it was announced that he was in it, was, you know, that he's friends with the Young Bucks and they came up training together or so on, or, you know, working together in the first few years. So that's in the, in the that's the connection there, yeah. <laughs> and then the last one, the last team announced was Punishment Martinez. That was announced a couple days ago. So that's 11 guys. I guess the other four might be surprises. Um, maybe they won't announce any more. 
who, who the fuck knows who they have lined up. My dream scenario, because you know, I, I tweeted this out like a week ago, because Naito is going to be in Mexico City <laughs> is the night before to face L.A. Park in a six-man tag. So he goes to Mexico City, he kicks L.A. Park's ass, he flies up to Chicago, he's a surprise entrant, and he wins the Battle Royal, and he beats Jay Lethal for the Ring of Honor World title. And then that weird Naito-Suzuki match that's for nothing on the Destruction Tour has a title now. So, there you go. I don't think it will happen, but I want to look like a genius if it does happen. So, Well, how about this? I'll one-up you. Um, Naito is in Mexico. He loses to L.A. Park, who then goes and is in the Battle Royal, (laughs) wins the Battle Royal, wins the Ring of Honor title, Naito comes out and challenges him, and they make the Suzuki match a three-way. Oh, Naito, okay. Park, and Suzuki. Yeah. How about that? All right. I think mine's a little more interesting, but not that much, though, so it's fine. Uh, it's going to be fucking Flip Gordon, probably. Who the fuck are we even kidding? But Yeah, I think whoever wins is someone who hasn't been announced yet. Yeah. So there you go. Um, it's a battle royal. What do you want me to tell you? Like I said, making it for that title shot is probably one of the smartest things they did. But, you know, it actually gives us a point. But yeah, so those are the two pre-show matches that are airing on WGN. Um, after that, let's go through the main card here. Um, so Jay Lethal's defending the Ring of Honor World title against the winner of that battle royal. I see a lot of people say that Jay Lethal probably won't lose it here. If I was them, I would totally have him lose it here. Why not have your world title lose change hands on a in front of the biggest crowd ever. I guess, no, it did change hands in Tokyo Dome once in a, in a heatless match. <laughs> um, well, why not have the title change hands in front of a, a rabid crowd? I don't know. I don't, I don't know why it's such a foregone conclusion. But. I mean, I think it would be an interesting idea. Really I don't cool know moment. that it will happen, especially with on the um, being the elite, the the hint of him being Black Machismo. I think yeah. if he goes any comedy, he's probably not losing it because sure. it probably wouldn't be a great thing to go. Oh, comedy! Oh, and he lost the title. I mean, it's not a great thing to have your fucking world champion come out as a Randy Savage ripoff on a mid card match, anyway. But yes, that is correct. <laughs> I mean, there's probably a handful of people where if they win, I mean, if it's Flip Gordon, I guess he could win. I guess he could beat Lethal. Yeah. Um, if it's Naito, like you said, I would think if it's Naito, he's definitely going to win. Yeah. Um, Martinez could. Martinez could beat him. Jordan yeah, it's hard. Him. I mean, it's one of those things that's hard. I mean, so stupid to say, but it's hard to say without knowing who the winner is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, that that whole thing, the battle world in the title match, it's one of the smarter things they've done on this card. I mean, I'm not sure it's going to lead to a great match or anything because. I know Jay Lethal doesn't have that many great matches these days, but you know I think it could. You know it'll be it'll be good probably. Um, then I mean, we have oh, an- uh, another dream. I just thought of this as we were sitting here. Uh, another thing I would love is, um, you know, Jordan Grace is in the Rumble. It would be interesting if Jonathan Gresham came in and. One because he and Lethal actually have had a series of great matches yeah. in Ring of Honor this year. It would be another one. Um, I don't know if they do another match where he would lose the title, but I mean that would be another interesting thing that I just kind of thought of as yeah. you know we were talking. Uh, I mean it's been the highlight of his title reign, I guess. But uh, okay, so the four A match, the women's match, very 
very progressive here by the progressive indie leaders. The get all the women on the card match. The here's the ladies: Madison Rain, Britt Baker, Chelsea Green, and Tessa Blanchard. I don't know who could possibly care about this, but there you go. Uh, yeah, it's just another. It's a match. Very uh, very creative booking of the women here. Then we have Christopher Daniels against Stephen Armel or Arnell, what the fuck it is. I don't watch Arrow. I don't give a shit. Um, you know, I don't care about the the being the elite. Being the elite has been really weird on this because I do you watch being the elite? I don't even know. So I watched for a little bit and then I stopped watching when I realized the only thing I was watching for was the match announcements for All In and the <laughs> minute they go up on YouTube, people announce it on Twitter. So I just hang out on Twitter when the episodes go up and I figure out what the matches are in about five seconds. I usually watch it every week. And the only really good thing, honestly, is Okada making fun of Marty Scroll, but which we'll get to in a second. But this this match here, like they had this really weird and long build with like Christopher Daniels setting up Stephen Arnell for the quote unquote murder of Joey Ryan. And never, I guess they sort of explained why he did that, but didn't really explain. And, you know, then Arnell's like, I want a match and, you know, to get my revenge or whatever. But then the go-home show this week, they completely ignored that entire storyline, maybe because of how silly and stupid it was. And they were just like, yeah, uh, Chris Daniels shows up when Arnell's trading. And Arnell's like, I don't like him because he's he was rude to me in San Antonio. That's what he told Cody. He's like, Cody, he was, uh, he was rude to me in San Antonio. And he's always wearing Marvel stuff. He fucking tried to frame you for murder, according to the show. And that doesn't come up as why you're mad at him. It's like, oh, because he's rude to me. (laughs) It's just so stupid. But I don't know. I feel really weird criticizing being the elite because it's such a fucking stupid show. But, like, that's the entire build to this show. So I I don't know. It was really dumb. And it didn't make me very excited for this match. It'll just be... A boring, slow Chris Daniels match with a non-wrestler. So just so you don't get blasted on Twitter, it's Stephen Amell. Okay. I don't give a shit what it is, honestly. I don't give a shit. It's Arnell, Amell. Don't give a fucking fuck. I don't watch so, Arrow. I don't watch shitty American television. You can, you want to at me and blast me for not knowing who this fucking geek is? Knock yourself out. I, I really could not care less. Could not care less. So I like, will say... So I was in there live. I was in arena for Stephen Amell's first and only match, which was at SummerSlam like three years ago. And I thought he did pretty well. I was really surprised. And I think this match could be surprisingly good. So I am looking forward to it. And I don't watch Arrow. I don't watch Arrow either. So I don't have any um, interest on that way. But I just remember seeing him the first time and he faced – Cody um, at SummerSlam. And I thought the match was really good for what it was. You know, some guy who had never wrestled before wrestling, you know, in like the third match on SummerSlam. You know, and uh, in terms of what the background story of any of these matches are, I know that they're explaining them all on All In, but I don't really care about that. Like, you might as well have just say, here's the match and it's happening just because this is the match that we want to have happen. Like to me, I mean, I'm... This, is, this is the only one they really tried. I guess this, and to a lesser extent, another one. But this is like the one where they really tried to have like a quote unquote story. Yeah. I just thought it was really stupid. They just dropped the story in the last week completely. But like, why bother them? I don't. Yeah. 
But I think this one could actually, I think it could surprise people. I think it might be better than people think. Okay, I don't give a shit, honestly. So, but that's fair. Uh, Joey Janela with Penelope Ford against Hangman Page in the Chicago Street Fight. Um, again, this is a weird one for the build because, you know, going in, you'd think it was going to be Hangman Page and Joey Ryan, but we're still running with the idea Joey Ryan's been murdered. Um, it's never really been explained why Joey Janela stepped up for Joey Ryan like this. Um, he just kind of did. But yeah, I mean, this, especially once this became a Chicago Street Fight, like, this is probably my second most anticipated match on the show. Um, I don't even, I haven't even seen that much Janela, but I've liked Paige a lot this year. Um, he had a really good street fight with Bris- with Jay Briscoe on a Ring of Honor pay per view randomly last year, so I know he can do this type of match. Um, but yeah, this could be this could be pretty good. When it was first announced, I was a little concerned that it was going to be a comedy match. Yeah, and like Joey Ryan would like to well, Joey Ryan. The- is- Joey Ryan's totally running into this match. Like, that is happening. Right, but I thought that he would maybe float in on an inflatable dick or something like that. <laughs> um, but now that it's a Chicago street fight, I feel at least part of it will be good because, yeah. and it's actually probably better for Janela, who is, I think, better in the kind of crazy do-wild shit matches than in a standard let's have a wrestling match. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll probably be pretty good. I don't know that it'll end well. Um, if it ends with Joey Ryan running in yeah. and flipping people around with his dick. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, it could be good. I'm, I'm a little looking forward to a little more now the street fight. So we'll see. Uh, the next match. All right. Kazuchika Okada and Marty Scroll. Luck, folks. Okay. I got a lot of shit from certain people on Twitter for not liking this match. I understand the point that this is probably right up the alley of like the Bullet Club people. I know for a fact it is because I've looked at the replies and stuff. Like, I'm sure most people in the building are going to love it. I'm sure they loved it from the day it was announced. But what did it's just not what I wanted to see. Me personally, just speaking for myself, when they announced Kazuchika Okada, I was expecting a lot better than the fucking junior heavyweight who flaps his arms like a bird, okay? I was expecting a lot better than that. Um, you know, Marty Sproul, he's one of my least favorite wrestlers. I really fucking hate him. Um, he had one really good match this year at Will Ospreay. Other than that, I think he's been awful all year long. Um, it just, I really just cannot stand him. So they almost could not have booked Okada with a worse opponent on, on this card. You know, I, I may have rather seen Arnell or, or Amel, whatever the fuck his name is, against Okada than Marty Scroll. Um, you know, and the, and the buildup on being the elite, like people thinking this, you're going to get like this blowaway match. First of all, Okada is not coming into the show to have a blowaway match with a junior heavyweight in the mid card. This is not, okay, people are like, oh, 10,000 fans, the biggest indie show. Okada wrestles in the fucking Tokyo Dome. You really think he gives a shit about 10,000 fans in Chicago? I don't think he does. I don't think he cares. I think he's going to go out there and have it in, you know, be show neutral. Um, Marty Scroll, you know, I'm sure he's going to try his hardest here. He's not very good. And there's going to be a lot of comedy if being the elite's any indication because, you know, o- Okada's been doing a lot of really funny jokes, honestly. Like his timing on, like he, he ran to Marty Scroll last week and like pantomimed 
like the numbers 205 with his hands while going like five as he like walked away. And that was hilarious. Like the look on Marty's face when, when Okada does that is just like, he looks so wounded and hurt. Like that Marty scroll is great at like, 